Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Hi everybody, welcome to tonight's share with Coach Menachem Berenfeld and the Let's Get Real team. Thank you for joining us on Sunday. It's a busy Sunday this week. A lot of people are traveling. So if you're here, we appreciate it. Um, again, tonight is share 114 uh, with Coach Menachem Berenfeld and Let's Give Our Program. I always start off every week first with thanking all of our uh, all of our uh, participants for coming and joining and promoting on, on all the channels and letting people know about it and uh, posting on the WhatsApp, email with their friends. And as I say always, but we really do have an amazing lineup of speakers as we're getting into Elul and getting to Shoshana. So it's going to be tremendous, tremendous uh, programs coming up. So please join us. Again, for anybody who's here the first time, every Sunday night at 9.30, we have the share. If you want to join, um, you can WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066. And I will send you every Sunday the flyers directly to you. Or if you want, you can go to menachembernfeld.com, his website, and um, sign up to get his weekly uh, emails with the uh, recordings and other flyers. So you know who's on, who's coming on. And uh, if everybody's watching the replay of this, please go on to YouTube when you watch it and you can click on the subscribe button and the like button and click on the like button. And uh, every week when uh, Menachem puts it up on Monday morning, you get a you get a notification that it went up. Everything is recorded. So you get to hear everything, listen to all the shiurim. So first I want to start off again, thanking all of our advertising sp sponsors for promoting us on all the, the digital channels. First Lakewood Scoop here in Lakewood, promoting us here in Lakewood. And a special thank you to Robin Kazak. Morning, it's actually Robbie is the one who connected me and Robbie Rechman together. So that was a long time ago. Actually, I have to ask Robbie Rechman an apology. Connected me really a long time ago, and I pushed him off for I think three or four times. Um, every time was a different story. So Hashem, we're here. So it's meant to be. And um, a special thank you to Ellie and Ariel from Five Town Central. And a special thank you to Kyla Kaufman Shmuzam from JCN, the Jewish Countdown Network, for always promoting us on all the digital platforms. Um, again. Every Sunday night, 9.30 this time, the Zoom ID, different children, different topics, rabbis, rabbinian, therapists, and we got we got them all. So please join us next Sunday. Next Hashem, the flyer got changed because uh, Rabbi Shlomo Katz pushed it off to after Yom Tov. He got busy with something, so he's not going to come on next week. He's going to come on in November. He's going to be talking about moving there to Israel. So anybody who wants to join that chair, you better you better reach out to Nefesh Benefesh before and get your paperwork in order because uh, he's going to convince us all to move there to Israel in November. But for next week, Hashem, we're going to have world-famous psychiatrist, Dr. Jacob Friedman. He's a, he writes every week on a, on a column in the Mishpacha magazine. It's called Off the Couch. So the topic is called Ask the Doc from Off the Couch, how to support families in mental health crises. So it's going to be a bit general conversation about mental health and helping people. So please join us. He, he's, he was on, uh, I think, like a year and a half ago. It was an amazing program. So please join. I think it'll be very meaningful and inspirational and knowledgeable. Um, he's a brilliant man. So please join us. Again, tonight we have the schuss and honor of having famous, famous, I'm going to call him the Jewish Tony Robbins of uh, coaching and inspiration, Rav Shmuel Reichman, and Rav Shmuel Bimachazik. Tonight we're going to talk about setting our goals and how to really grow. So hopefully we'll gain a lot from him. And Rav Shmuel, the people that listen to it, they will uh, start start setting themselves up for proper success in life. Before we get to Rav Reichman, tonight's share is share 114. So we do a gematria for, for every share. And the gematria for 114 is Adam Ahogun, a proper person. So hopefully after tonight's share, we're going to be able to have more purpose, more meaning, set our goals, 
will be a other mahogan, more properly, uh, you know, proper persons. I thought that was a great gematria. Uh, let's start our first with Coach Menachem Bernfeld. Open it up. What are we talking about tonight? What are we trying to accomplish? What are we talking about tonight, Menachem? Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, I do want to welcome everyone, everyone back. Um, for those who are traveling, listening to the recording, wherever you are. And I think tonight is a, is a topic, how to journey to your ultimate self, where many people are on a journey, um, whether it's back from the country or don't uh, that but, you know, with our busy life, it's really trying to figure out our own ultimate self, which we'll hear about tonight. So, yes, thank you very much for coming. Um, we're still um, coming, um, coming off from last week's program, which we heard um, powerful words from Rabbi Bragg about Betochen, relying on Hashem. And uh, I must say, like, like every week, uh, first of all, thank you very much for the feedback. Um, it's always important to hear, you know, what the audience feels and thinks. And um, like most times, we have um, some people who are very, very happy. They love it and they just can't get enough. And then we have some people, it's just a struggle. It was hard to hear it, it you know, the way he said it. And then it's very, without, without the emotions, just this is how it is. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just to be aware of how we understand it is very important. And that is step number one. And Amit Hashem, we should be able to take whatever works, whatever works for us, wherever we are in life, so we can apply and the Hashem grow with Betachem and rely on Hashem. And uh, I'm sure we will need a lot of the talk for tonight also, because no matter what a person thinks and wants, and, um, you know, we're going to try to figure out w what the journey is, what the self is, how, how do I know um, the, our mission, our purpose on this world, um, you know, just to feel excited, to get up in the morning and say, you know, I'm working on something, it's working, or maybe not, I'm struggling. And all of that, we, we always need betachem, to rely on Hashem. Hashem, you know, I can't do it without you. This is something I feel I want to do. And please help me. Show me the way. So it is very important. Um, and I have to say that, we, you know, we spoke to Rabbi Reichman last week. And uh, I don't think that tonight is going to be enough time to hear all of the wisdom that you have, which is mamish like Mayan Amazgaver on and on and on so you know i'm sure we'll be able to cover a lot but there's so much out there so much that 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 i spoke to you you know just that uh, it's it's really unbelievable but um you know before we start just to understand what some people are struggling what people want to know the questions that came in first of all what people don't understand am i connected to myself or not a lot of people don't understand when you talk about self-development, self-awareness. They all believe they're, you know, sure, who doesn't know who they are? So that's the, the first step to think about. What am I looking for? We live in a, in a busy life, you know, the kids or whatever it is, job, we go from one thing to the next where it's really, there's a lot going on and the world is really going very fast. We're talking about technology today. What took a few weeks, many years ago, takes a minute in today's day with email and back and forth and things, Baruch Hashem, there's a lot we can do with it. But on the other hand, the, the human capacity, sometimes we get caught up and there's a lot going on. And 
just to find some time to stop and ask ourselves these questions is, is very important. So you might not have the time during the week or never really had a time, but if you're here now, take a deep breath and stop and listen, try to connect and bring up whatever question you have, uh, you know, you can ask live so we can discuss what, what, what am I looking for, my purpose, my mission, and really to come back to, to understand who we are, us as Yidin, what are we looking for? And eventually with that, we can come back to some more excitement in life, looking forward. I, I say many times, a, a, a reason to go to sleep because tomorrow I have another day. I know some people have a struggle when they, you know, at night, social media, busy for hours and hours. Where's the excitement? Tomorrow's another day and I'm working on something. So thank you, Rabbi Rachman, for being with us tonight. And let's tap in, let's connect. And amidst Hashem, we should be able to hear with Siyat Deshmai everything that what we need. So we should be able to take in our own lives to apply it and to live a purposeful, meaning life. Beautiful opening. Again, tonight, let's give a little overview of the shir. Tonight, we're really trying to focus. The title is How to Journey to Your Ultimate Self. Rabbi Rachman wrote a book. So it's a little bit of the concept of the book. Lech Lecha, right? Find your own journey. In a world of constant struggle and overwhelm, how do we achieve greatness in Torah and your profession and relationships? Really how to set goals, you know, like the New Year's resolutions when we're entering El Rosh Hashanah, how to really be more accomplished and really achieve some of the things that we're trying to get. Um, I just want to mention tonight's share was sponsored by somebody anonymous. Um, he's having a procedure this week and he just said he's such a big fan of Coach Menachem. And he just texted me. I said, I want to sponsor this share so people should come on, be the person. So I really appreciate that. And everything should go well for him. And um, I'm going to read Shmuel Reichman's bio, and then we're going to give him the floor for opening it up. And um, I just wanted to say also another thing, we had Robert Bragg last week on Amun Batach, and then we got such tremendous feedback on his share. So anybody who didn't listen to it, definitely listen to it. It was definitely worthwhile to listen to it on our recordings. Let me go to Robert Reichman. Here we go. Yeah. Shmuel Reichman is a best-selling author, international speaker, and CEO of Self Mastery Academy. He's lectured internationally on topics of Torah thought, Jewish Medical Ethics, Psychology, and Leadership. Its best-selling book, The Journey to the Ultimate Self, serves as an inspiring great gateway <clears throat> into deeper Jewish thought. He also has, he's also a business leadership and life coach with a unique approach based on Torah values. After obtaining his BA from Yeshiva University, he received smicha from Yeshiva University, Ritz, and master's degree in education from the Israeli Graduate, Graduate, Graduate School and master's degree in the Jewish thought of the Bernard Revel Graduate School. He spent a year studying at Harvard as an Ivy League Plus scholar. He currently lives in Chicago with his wife and son, but he gives shiurim and pursuing his PhD at the University of Chicago. To enjoy more of our Rechman's content, you can contact him. We'll give you his uh, email address at the end. You can go to his website at shmuelrechman.com. And thank you for agreeing to come on, Rabbi Rechman, so many times. And finally, for being here. And the floor is yours. Open it up. Huge, huge back to you, to Asher, to Nacham, for everything you guys do. It's really, really unbelievable what you've built. And I want to go deeper. I mean, inspiration is nice, and I want to obviously make this inspiring, but I want to delve into some of the most incredibly deep ideas. And this little intro will basically serve as a little taste of what I want to delve deeper into with your questions. Like, I want this to be very interactive. I want it to be a dialogue, because then we'll be able to build something extraordinary. But I want to start with a story, a story of someone just like you and me who wants to make the most of El, 
Right. I mean, when we look at our LA resolutions every single year, we want to work on Amidos, want to learn more Torah, be better spouse, be better at Hashem, concentrate in davening, maybe turn off on an airplane. We all have our goals for El, but if we look to last year's goals and the year before and the year before, they tend to be very similar. And most people, if they're honest with themselves, are not living the life they want to live. Definitely not the life that they think deep down they were supposed to be living. And we all want more from life. And this person in our story said, you know what? I'm going to do something about it. So he heard about this legendary Godel, this legendary tzaddik, this legendary guru, and he's a black belt in Gemara B'in, a black belt Kabbalist, a black belt in mixed martial arts, literally like the guy. No name, just the man, the guru, the Godel, the tzaddik. And he seeks him out, finds that he lives in some far off place on the, you know, some deserted area in the corner of the world. And he lives on the, this deserted beach by the water. And he seeks him out, finds his address, goes across the world, knocks on this rabbi's door. And he says, listen, I came all the way across the world. I want to be successful. I want to become who I'm supposed to become. I want the secret to success. How can I make this Elul the best Elul I've ever had? How can I make this year the best year I've ever had? How can I start living my life? the way I'm supposed to be living. How can I become a true of Hashem? And the Godel looks him up and down and says, meet me tomorrow by the water at 5.30 in the morning. So he says, okay. Next morning shows up in a suit, should have wore his bathing suit because the Godel says, walk into the water. Says walk into the water, walks into the water. He's about knee deep, he turns around, the Godel says, keep walking. Okay, so the Godel keeps walking, he's about shoulder deep, and he turns around the goal and says, keep walking. At this point, he doesn't really know what's going on, but he, he keeps walking and he's chin deep. He's about to turn back around when before he can think twice, this Godel dunks his head underneath the water. And he's thinking, this guy, what is going on? He's trying to get out, he can't get out. This Godel's a black belt, Kapler's also a black belt in jujitsu. He can't get rid of his grasp and he can't breathe. He's struggling, trying to look, he can't get past this girl's grip, can't get past the girl's grip. He's literally is about to pass that, he cannot breathe. When the Godel lifts his head up from underneath the water and asks him a question that he'll never forget. He says, when you were underneath the water, what did you want most? And he said, I wanted to breathe. And the girl said, when you want to succeed as much as you just wanted to breathe, then you'll be successful. Then you'll be at Sadiq. Then you'll be in Evan Hashem. Then you'll be everything you want to become. Because here's the truth. The truth is that we all want to live an extraordinary life. We want to actualize our potential. We want a greater personal life. We want to connect to Hashem, want a great spiritual life, want to intellectually grow in Talmud Torah in our just intellectual growth, we want to be emotionally vibrant, we want to be physically healthy, we want incredible relationships, we want at least financial stability. And talk about financial wealth, that's a whole discussion, but at least financial stability. And we want to live with purpose, we want to discover what it is that we were designed to do, what's our impact in the world, in Christ's role, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? But the truth is that what we want is not important because everyone wants that. The question is, what do you need? Right? You need to breathe. 
Now, until you get to the point where you need these things, like I need to be learning more Torah, I need to get up for shachras, I need to be davening with kavana, I need to understand my chilek in Torah, I need to become more self-aware, more driven, more ambitious, I need to figure out my financial situation, I need to fix my marriage. Most people want that, but we don't get what we want. What we want ends up on our Elo list every single year. But when we need it, when we attach it to our identity, when we say that this is who I am, basically, when you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, when you can't live your life anymore the way you've been living it, that's when you change. And that's when you grow. And most people, they're coasting, right? Their life is either miserable, but to the point where they can stabilize it, or good to the point where they don't need to take it to the next level. And they're just coasting. But the people who are living in a different wavelength are the people who are striving, who are pushing, who are literally seeing what they're capable of. And the question is like this. The question is, how do you, how do you live that type of life? And what is great? I mean, for me, when I, was, when I was a younger kid, when I was in high school, I was a normal kid. And I became fascinated, obsessed, and really focused on this question of what is greatness? What is it that differentiates the great from the normal people? What is normal? What is great? How do we understand that? And I devoted my entire life to this question of greatness. And not just the inspiration, not just the Tony Rabbit's greatness in Gemara, Gemara Be'in, Halacha, Machshav, Musr, Hashkafa, psychology, philosophy, wisdom, ideas, living life, figuring out what Hashem really wants of us and how to live life at the ultimate height of our potential. And I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about my story because it's really not important for what we're going to build tonight. And it's really not the time to really delve into my story. I can you know, do that if we're doing a public lecture, but tonight is about ideas. But I just want to give you a little bit of a background to my story just so you can understand why I'm so, I would say, a combination of driven, obsessed, and in love with this question of greatness. Because when I was younger, when I was in high school, I was so normal that I coasted through everything and I never, ever challenged myself. Never asked myself what I was capable of. I was smart enough to do well in school. And I was just a goody two-shoes, riding through life like most everyone else. And then my life fell apart. And my life fell apart on many levels. So first of all, I, you know, basically one day I remember, I just lost the ability to speak. And this is, I went to Israel, I was studying in Shalavim for a couple of years, and I lost the ability to speak. I was falling in love with Torah for the first time in my life, and I couldn't speak Torah. It was the most excruciatingly painful part of my life, because as I was falling in love with Hashem, as I was falling in love with Torah, the moment that all I wanted to do was share Torah, I couldn't. And every single word I said, it felt like a dagger was stabbing my throat. And I had to measure every single word and say, is this someone worth talking to? Is this something worth saying? How am I gonna say it? How few words can I say it in? And it was miserable. I literally said, why are you doing this to me, Hashem? And then my life actually fell apart. And I remember it started with one day, I felt this pain in my stomach. And then it just stretched to my head and I lost consciousness. But if you've ever passed out before, you know that the way it usually works is you just wake up. But this was different. This. I felt this excruciating pain as I lost consciousness. I thought I was dying. And then I didn't wake up. I felt this existential struggle to come back to consciousness. It was the strangest and scariest thing. I literally thought that I was dying, had died, and was in the midst of dying. And when I woke up and I finally was able to come back to consciousness, 
I had no idea what happened. And I thought maybe it was a fluke accident. I ate something weird, whatever it was, went to the doctors and they had no idea what it was. And I thought, okay, it was a one-time thing. Happened the next week. And then it happened two weeks later. And for months, this was happening on an ongoing basis. And I would literally cry out to Hashem saying, why are you doing this to me? Like, I'm, a, I'm just trying to live my life. I'm not trying to kill anybody, hurt anybody. I'm not a gun. I'm not doing horrible things. I'm just a normal person. Why are you doing this to me? But I also said, you know, I, I literally thought that I was going to die. And I began asking myself the question, which is, I've never really thought about why I was living. Like, what am I really here for? What am I capable of? What can I do with my life if I tried? As in, I might not live that much longer. What am I doing with the life I have left? And I began to really take my time seriously, myself seriously. And I began to learn and I began to talk to Rebbeim and Gedolim and mentors and world changers, impactors, influencers, people who are changing the world, speaking and teaching and writing and doing incredible things. I would interview all of them. I would always you know, have the chutzpah to say, you know, it's okay if I have a couple minutes to talk to you and just literally spend time understanding how they think, how they live, why they do what they do, how they got into this. Was it an accident? Were they always, did they always have that vision? Did it, was there something that happened? And I would try to understand what it was. And then I sought out the best education. And I sought out to learn from the greatest gedolim. And I sought out to understand Torah in the deepest level, not just halacha, not just gemara, not just gemara being, not just machshav, not just master, but intertwining it all together. And it really led to the most incredible journey of all time, which is the journey of trying to understand who I am, why I'm here, what I can do with my life and help others do the same. And that became the foundation of everything I do every year. I give, every course I create, every book that I write on middle of three, <laughs> my next three svarim, this one we'll talk a little about, uh, is Machshava, organized according to the Parsha, really helping you not just learn Torah, but live Torah. But the goal became to live life at the highest level, really pushing to the max. And it's based off of a fascinating Gemara. And the Gemara really opens up the idea of greatness. It's the foundation of my entire sefer. And the question is, what is greatness? Because if you look in the secular world, the Western world, greatness is objectified. You want to be a professional, you have to be the best. If everyone dies on your operating table, it doesn't matter how growth-oriented you are. It doesn't matter how much you're trying and pushing. If everyone dies on your operating table, you're not going to have a job as a doctor. If you lose after a case, you're not going to be a lawyer. If you know, you're not good at sports, you're not going to make it to the pros because it's objectified. The best are the best. They get paid the most. They get the best jobs. It's how it works. But the Gemara Nida opens up a very fascinating idea, a paradigm-shifting idea of greatness. And the Gemara says that when we were in the womb, we learned kol Torah kula, all of Torah. And just before we were born, the Malach, the angel that taught us kol Torah kula, makes us forget everything. And the question that all the Bali Machshava, all the Jewish thinkers ask is, what's going on here? Why make you forget it? And if the Malach is going to make you forget it, why teach it to you in the first place? But the Vilna Gon gives an incredible, incredibly deep answer. He says that the Torah you were learning wasn't just practical Torah, it wasn't just Gemara or Chumash or Rashi. It was the cosmic, deeper Torah of reality. It was Hashem Estakel Baraisa Baram HaKadosh Baruch used the Torah as the blueprint, the foundational, literal, like the genes of reality. And the physical world is an expression of that deeper reality. So you were shown the purpose, the deeper Torah, the deeper purpose of the world, but you were also shown your Torah. 
You were shown what you were created for, what your unique purpose is, why you're coming into this world. And your job in life is to literally relearn and rebirth and recreate and resurface that which you learned in the womb to become you. So greatness is not becoming great, becoming you. And Michelangelo was once asked, how do you create these incredible sculptures, these amazing sculptures? So he smiled and he said, listen, you see a block of stone. When I look at a block of stone, a marble stone, I see the sculpture inside. I just basically move away all of the rubble blocking the beautiful sculpture. And what you see as a creation, I'm really just revealing. It's a powerful concept, which is that you're not learning, you're relearning, you're not creating your expression. That's why when you learn awesome ideas, they just resonate with you, they click, because you're not learning it for the first time. We can go deeper into a lot of beautiful gemars that talk about this, but just, you know, we're keeping it brief for the intro. The idea is that your job is to become you. And if you want to get, you want to get the chills, this is the foundation of my entire sefer. The whole sefer, the journey to open itself, is taking the deepest ideas of the Ma'aral and the Ramchal and the Shachayim, Rav Tzadik, the Tanya, and bringing it to life, giving you access to these principles, these ideas. But the whole journey of learning the depth of Torah is to live it. And the foundation is this Gemara, this incredible Gemara, which is that everything is about you going back to your true self, your true root, your fetal self. When I began teaching this and giving shirim on it and writing about it, my father gave me the chills when he sent this to me. It was a crazy Ashkacha story. He sent me a video and he said, you'll never believe this, but I just remembered that at your bris, I shared that very Gemara. And I got the chills because he sent that to me right before I was about to have the bris of my son, uh, Yosef Baruch. And obviously, as you can tell where the story is going, I mentioned this Gemara in his bris as well. But the idea is that the journey of life is not achieving greatness, it's achieving self-awareness and becoming you and really becoming you, which is understanding what is the process of achieving greatness. And I can give a 45 minutes here just on this one question. I'll lay it down in five simple steps. We can dive into it. These are obviously we can dive into it through the questions, but just to lay out the process, a very simple five-step process, the first step of achieving greatness is trying to create vision for your life. Goals, what is your life gonna be about? Talk about L. forget this year, what's your life about? Because once you have a vision for your life, you know, 10 year goal, people like to have 10 year goals, what about 50 year goals? What's your life about? Because once you have a direction, you can orient your life towards, I have a 50 year goal, what are the next 10 years gonna be about to achieve that direction? What's the next year gonna be so you can head towards that 10 year goal path? What's your next month gonna be about so you can direct your life towards that yearly goal? What's your week gonna be about? And talk about month and week, that's what I will really, it's, it's that wake up call to the fact that your whole life should be about this. And the Bala Mashaba talk about how Teshuva is not an L concept, it's a life concept. It's all about returning to our ultimate root, to our feel self, Sakash Baruch. And when you understand that, you start to orient your life. You say, okay, I need vision, I need goals. What am I trying to accomplish? In Torah learning, in intellectual growth, emotionally. You know, am I, an, emo, am, I an, am I an emotional mess? That's a tongue twister right there. Am I an emotional mess? Physically, am I exercising? Am I eating right? Am I sleeping enough? In terms of my relationships, do I have them? Are they good? Do I invest time, energy, effort, and awareness into them? In terms of financially, am I falling apart? Am I growing? Am I stable? Where do I want it to be in terms of my impact, living out my purpose, trying to make the world, you know, revealing what I'm supposed to be revealing and revealing Hashem in the world and teaching 
Torah and values and making the world a better place, contributing to our communities. How am I doing? Is that a value to me? Do I really try to do that? And then you say, okay, that's great to have visions and goals, but how do you create them? Right? Every Friday night we say, Sof if you want to create something in reality, so said, it has to originate in thought. So how do you how do you create concrete goals? Where do you come up with the goals? Should everyone be doing the same thing? How do you gain a sense of what your goal should look like? So then you need to say, what's my purpose? What's your purpose? Right? It's your Torah that you learned in the womb. It's your purpose. You're not like anyone else. You don't think the same way anyone else thinks. You don't learn the same way. You don't speak, feel, live. You are literally a, a microcosm. You're your own universe. What, what does it mean to be you? And if you want to create real goals, you have to understand your purpose. If you want to really clarify your purpose, you have to become self-aware. You have to be able to spend time by yourself thinking, coming in touch with yourself and saying, how do I work? Am I creative? Am I mathematical? Am I really good at Gemara? Am I really good at Halakha? Do I love you know, listening to people? Do I love building things? Am I you know, in tune with my body? Am I in tune with nature and the physical world? Am I really into certain elements of wisdom and Chachma? What's my chilek in Torah? What's my chilek in the world? And until you start really coming in touch with yourself, trying out different things and trying to say, who am I? You're not going to find out. A lot of people, they don't like spending time by themselves, with themselves, because it's very uncomfortable to be by yourself if you're empty inside. And a lot of people, they spend so much time with other people, getting to know other people, getting to have other people, trying to get other people to like them. They don't spend time really getting to know themselves. And you have to love your fellow like you love yourself. If you don't love yourself, if you're not in touch with yourself, you're hopeless in a relationship. You're hopeless in life. The greatest asset, oh my gosh, the greatest asset, most valuable koach of being human is self-awareness. It's the most valuable commodity. It's the rarest commodity these days because the entire world is trying to distract you, get your attention, pull you away from quieting your mind and really getting to know yourself. And we're not even going to touch those media. We can talk about that maybe in the questions. But the world we live in, is designed to get your attention away from internal self-awareness, from connecting to Hashem. By the way, the way you connect to Hashem is not going further and further out into the, you know, once you get past the horizons, Hashem isn't there. It's going deeper and deeper into yourself. And that's, you know, the classic story of the Russian, the first Russian to, who went into outer space. He came back and they said, what did you see? And he said, I didn't see God. Well, what did you think? There was going to be a giant old man said, oh, you finally found me. It took you long enough. No. And that also gets to the question of thinking about what, what do we mean when we say connecting to Hashem? What do we mean when we say connect? That's what all of deeper Torah is entering into the abstraction of what does everything mean? What does every mitzvah mean? What does every concept, every sugya, every halacha concept? What is Torah? And that was really the purpose of my sefer is that most people, if you learn the Maharal, correctly, if you learn the Ramcha, you learn these ideas, it opens your mind, but it's hard. You have to really commit yourself. So the goal of my Sefer was to create a gateway into those ideas in an inspiring, accessible manner so you can learn these ideas. What does it mean to be part of Klai What is anything and everything? What's the relationship between the physical and the spiritual, the infinite and the finite? How do you live a transcendent life in this world? Are we supposed to transcend the physical? But why is, you can count the number of spiritual mindful mitzvahs on your hand, right? Believe in Hashem, 
Don't serve idolatry. Don't be jealous. How many physical mitzvahs are there? Every other mitzvah is physical. Eat matzah, shake lulav, wear tzitzas, wear tefillin. Like, it's physical. Why are we such a physical people? So that's a real question. So now the question becomes like this. And then we'll open it up into the Q&A. In order to have visions and goals, you have to understand your purpose. In order to really clarify your purpose, you have to become self-aware. In order to become self-aware, you need to create an environment of self-awareness. That's number four. You have to, am I just distracting myself? Is my phone controlling me or am I controlling it? Do I have positive people in my life? Am I negative? Do I, basically, every time I'm inspired to change my life, do I just say, you can't do that? What makes you think you can do that? What makes you think your life will be any different than it's always been? And obviously, there's a great line, which is that if you do what you've always done, you'll be who you've always been. And it's hard to change that cycle of habit, of how you talk to yourself, how you live, how you eat, how you walk through life. But if you have the wrong environment, it's like if you have junk food around the house, good luck going on a healthy diet. If you aren't surrounding yourself with Torah, good luck learning Torah. So if you look, who are you talking to? Look at your cell phone. You can tell a lot about yourself by the people you surround yourself with. We can talk about what if you can't control that? What if it's a family member? Also, when you have these visions, inspirations of living a greater life, who do you share that with? Share it with the wrong person and they will crush your dreams. They'll crush it. But the most important thing as you go, and this is you know, building off of everyone who was here last week, everything depends on connecting it all back to Hashem. As long as you realize that the hishtadless element of building vision, building clarity, discovering your purpose, becoming self-aware, creating a life that makes sense, that not only makes sense, but is extraordinary. And then walking into and living it, you have to realize it all comes from Hashem. And when you can find Hashem within every aspect of your life, that's when you start realizing the challenges that you were experiencing built you. The worst things that ever happened, you talk about my challenges, the fact that I couldn't talk for years, that's why I value words. That's why I value every word that comes out of my mouth. That's why I value ideas. I had to live in my head for such a long time because it was so painful to speak. And in terms of losing consciousness, Baruch Hashem was something called vasovagal. It's not actually fatal. You just have to make sure you're not standing up when you pass out because then you can have a concussion and you know, crack your head open. But the fact that my life fell apart built me into who I am today. The only reason I went down that journey, the only reason I'm so driven just to really live the ultimate version of me and help everyone else do it is because my life fell apart. And when you start realizing that you start to find Hashem within every part of life, you have to look for it because that's a choice. Yeah, you can have the crazy Hashgacha stories, but finding Hashem within every part of your life is the key. And then you start saying, how do I do this? Because it seems a little overwhelming, but the key is like this. The key is the living an extraordinary life is living a life of oneness, living a life of harmony, of teferis, of real oneness. Because if you think what makes this, what we're doing right now, what makes it so great? You know, there are a lot of shirim out there, a lot of online shirim, a lot of podcasts, a lot of Q&As. But what makes this unique is just that. It's uncategorizable. It's literally, it's not this or that or this or that. It's all of them together. And they're inspirational podcasts. They're real deep, you know, having a real, you know, get real, having a real conversation, having a real in-depth Torah conversation. But what we're doing now really synthesize and integrate so many great aspects together. And that's what you want to do in life. When you want to appreciate the oneness of Torah, you want to appreciate the oneness of Torah Shebek Sav and the process of Gemara and Gemara Be'in and Halacha and learning Machshav, understanding the Torah of life, understanding how to live that Torah through Musa, through self-development, through self-awareness. And that's what it means to live a life of oneness. Because 
if we're going to be honest, everyone you know, including yourself, and it's good to know it's not just you, everyone's struggling. Everyone's going through something. They either in a challenge, coming from a challenge, going right towards a challenge. Life is challenged. Life is hard. And if you're doing really well spiritually, you love Hashem, you're learning Torah, how, how's your marriage? Do you, you know, focus all of your time in the base medrash and you're not really focusing any time on your marriage? If your marriage is great, how's your physical health? You exercise and you're taking care of your body? If your physical health is good, how's your financial stability going? Can you pay the bills? Are you able to do the things that you're able to give your children the opportunities? Are you able to make the impact in your community that you want to have? If you're able to do that, how, how are you doing in your, like we can go on and on and on. Emotionally, how are you doing? Are you an emotional wreck? Are you overwhelmed? Are you organized? Are you basically all over the place? Everyone, and by the way, intellectually, just because you're learning Torah doesn't mean you're really learning. A lot of people, they kind of go to a shir and they, you know, check it off, went to a shir. They go to the daf, check it off, went to a daf. Are you expanding your understanding? Are you breaking things down? Are you developing a deeper understanding? Are you really building yourself as a Talmud Chacham, as a Talmud Chacham? Are you really building your das Torah? And that's also the real question. Are you learning Torah or are you living Torah? Does Torah basically exist in the base measures and then you go out and you live your life? Or are you living Torah? You see the world through the lens of Torah, through the lens of truth, the lens of Ratzon Hashem. So the real goal here, and what I want to build with you, I want to delve into, and hopefully we'll be able to really build something amazing together, is how do you live that type of life? How do you start gaining more self-awareness, gaining vision and clarity, start building a life where you're not A or B, you're not just one extreme or another extreme, but you understand that the greatest value is building nuance, building qualification, integrating pieces together, building something that transcends or is greater than the sum of its parts. And you look at the piano right here, when you, when you listen to a song, you don't hear the notes. But if you understand what a song is, just a clink and a clunk, a clink and a clunk, but what makes it beautiful, what makes music, music, is when the pieces come together and you almost can't hear the individual pieces anymore. And that's what all of Klai Yishol coming together to you know, individual members of Klai Yishol coming together into a cloud, into a seaboard, into a single nation, everyone filling the role, fulfilling the role. It, it sounds beautiful. And trust me, I've been to every motivational, inspirational, machshava, lundus, every type of share. And when you hear things like this, it sounds great. We can all be inspired and go back to our lives. We can all have a, you know, the same L we've always had. But the question is, how can we disrupt the classic cycle of going to a shir saying, that was nice, that was inspiring. I like that. Those are some really good ideas. I'll, I'll maybe, you know, use that one. Just go back to the way we've always gone. And that's the question, which is the question. It's a question which hopefully will be able to somewhat decipher and also solve tonight. But uh, with that, let us transition to the next part of this amazing night. Wow, what an opening of a beautiful. Okay, we're gonna give you a little break. We're gonna do a little poll and then we're gonna jump into it. Again, anybody wants to ask questions, a lot of good concepts and ideas. And I think now via the questions, we'll just try to clarify it. Please feel free to ask questions, text us your partners over here. Obviously, lots of questions go first and let's get to the bottom of it. Okay, we're gonna start with a poll. So three question poll. When you set a goal for yourself, how do you concretize it? How do you make it concrete? Number one, I write it down and check it on my list. Number two, I share it with someone close to me. Or number three, I don't concretize it. Concretize it. I just let it ride. Just like all the other ideas. Okay, that's the first first question. Second question. Why do you think only some people achieve success in their lives? Three options. 
they are naturally gifted and they use the, their, their gifts for success. Option two, the more successful people work harder at their goals. Option three, it's all up to Hashem anyway. So some people are meant to be successful and some people not. And the third question, are goals, are your personal goals very similar every year? Three options. Yes. No. The big goals, yes, but the small ones change. So those are the those are the three polls. And everybody answered. It's anonymous. Rabbi Eichman then will share the polls with everybody and we'll we'll dive into it. Um, and then again, anybody wants to ask a lot of questions, just text me and we'll get to the clarity of it. Menachem, what did you choose? Which option? Okay, let's share with everybody. Concretize. Here we go. Rabbi Eichman, you watching? When you set a goal for yourself, how do you concretize it? Con con concretize it. Number one. So 39% of the people, most people say, I write it down and check on my list. 26% of the people say, I share with someone close to me. 35% of the people say, I don't concretize it. I just let it ride. So it's basically a split in three. Rechman, anything to say on the first question? Um, so, I mean, first of all, I actually want to turn to you. What do you think about this? I think everybody has their own method of how they, when they have ideas, whether it's a New Year's resolution or whatever it is. And some people are very, they write things down and they like to see it. I've done that once with Amanachim, actually. It was a very, very humbling experience, um, especially when you look at it later on. Sharing with somebody, you know, I hear it. I don't know what that means. It means like what? You tell it to your wife, you tell it to your spouse, and then you she follows up on you. I think most people could probably resonate with number three. Yeah, I want to do this. I want to, I want to lose weight. I want to do this. You know, it's, it's a machshav that comes and goes. So I think if you're serious about something, you want to write it down just to have that note. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would say the most important stage of inspiration is the three second after it happens. Where you have a, everyone has that flash, right? You're right now. During the past 30 minutes, there's been at least one like, wow, I, I would love that. Uh, when you're at a dinner, when you're at an event, when you're at a great cheer, everyone has these sparks, these flashes of inspiration where you're like, my life would be amazing if I finally did that. What happens usually a couple seconds after that is you either return your attention back to reality. You have this little voice in the back of your head, which says, who are you kidding? You can't do that. Or you try and actualize it. And what happens is like this. There's two elements. <clears throat> the first is bringing it from just thought to reality. So bringing it out of your head, writing it down, texting it to yourself, emailing it to yourself, just jotting it down on your phone. And that makes it concrete. So even once like that flash ends, you have it. The next step is committing to a, a, a point of action of saying, it's not just something I want, but this is what I'm going to do. Because the people who act on inspiration live inspirational lives. Now, life is not inspiration. Life is heart. Living an inspirational life is living with meaning, purpose, consciousness, and ideas, and wisdom, and clarity within the storm of life. And once you realize that, you realize that you can't wait to be inspired. You have to create structure, goals, meaning into your life. And take advantage of those moments of inspiration, but act on that. Now, when you share it with someone else, you do something amazing. You create external accountability. Because if you want to get in great physical shape, that's great. But there's a reason why you haven't done it until now. It's because when it comes to exercise and eating healthy, you just don't feel like it. 
right? But if you share it with someone in your life, no one wants to be seen like a liar. So if you say, I'm going to start eating healthy, and then they see you with a donut in your mouth, they're going to give you a look like, what do you mean you just told me you can eat healthy? So now you know that they're expecting growth from you. And that gives you a little bit of a lowish push of, yeah, I might not want it enough yet, but I at least want to look like I show up in the way I said I'm going to show up. And also it creates like doing it with someone else is an amazing way to do it. Because let's say you say, I'm going to learn the Chavrus. I want to start learning more. So if you're just on your own, if you feel like it, you do it. If you don't feel like it, you don't do it. But if you know someone's waiting for you, you're going to show up because you don't want to keep them waiting. You don't want to let them down. So it's one of those, is it ideal? Of course not. But it's the bidiyavid that becomes al because it'll help you actually do it. So let's say you can't get enough for chakras in the morning. So having an accountability partner, someone at chakras who's going to give you that nod and say, I know the challenge you're going through, and I'm going to give you that nod when you come through the door to say, like, I know you're here. You don't want them to not see you. You want them to give you that nod. You want them to know that you showed up. So it helps get the goal outside of just you and your own willpower because sometimes your willpower is not enough. And by sometimes, almost always, it's not enough. So finding the science of motivation of actually living your goals is incredible. And that's you know what Rebeam, what mentors, what coaches, what consultants, like they help you achieve the things that you already want to achieve, but just aren't able to do. And once you understand that, you realize that it's not all up to me. I can get, and by the way, getting help for most people is difficult because they think that means there's a limit on them, that they're like small, they're incapable. No one's capable. If you actually open up anyone's inner world, everyone's struggling. And everyone thinks they're the only one struggling. You're not. So understanding how to go from the same L I've always had to actually building momentum, building progress. They've done statistics. It's not Jewish statistics. It's a New Year's statistic. But by January 15th, 98% of New Year's resolutions are gone. People have given up on them. Everyone has that flash. But acting through building momentum, it takes about three weeks to build a habit. So building that neuro, like the neuroplasty, recircuiting, rebuilding and redeveloping your neural synapses so that it becomes your reality where it's not, am I going to exercise? But when it's not, am I going to learn? But when it's not, am I going to deepen my relationship with my wife, deepen my relationship with myself, deepen my relationship with Hashem? But when, and you start scheduling it in, that takes time. So the science of concretizing goals is one of the most important elements and I guess that kind of feeds into number two. Let's go to number two. It's very interesting. They get a more stronger response. Why do you think only some people achieve success? Only 8% of people say because they're naturally gifted and use those gifts for success. 65% of people say the more successful people work harder at their goals. And only 27% of people say it's all up to Hashem anyway. So whatever you meant to be successful, you are. And some yes, some not. Coach Nachem, you want to take a stab at this one? Yeah, I just want to mention uh, one more thing what you mentioned before is uh, the commitment. What happens if you find yourself not doing it after a week? It's like when, when you, it looks like you failed. What do you tell yourself then? So if you're really committed, even though you, you did it for a few days and now it's been a week and you haven't looked at it, but you go back, you still go back. So that's the Sheva Yipo Tadek come. That means we don't give up. We continue. So it's very important, the self-talk, that we, the way we look at ourselves, the way we talk to ourselves, part of the commitment that we took. 
100%. Question two, what, what's, what's your opinion? What do I think? Um, I think we heard a lot before. It, it, it depends a lot on, first of all, self-awareness. How many people are really okay to stop and see where am I and what do I want, where do I want to go and what needs to change? And it's uh, either you don't have time for it, or you're not aware. Um, like you mentioned, Reb Shmuel, it's, uh, it's hard if you feel it, um, empty inside of yourself to be able to stop and um, figure out what I need to change. And uh, going back to what you mentioned in the beginning, is it something that you need like, like breathing? Yeah, 100%. I mean, first of all, the, the Shavipo, once pe people are scared of failure, it's one of the, the one of the most common reasons, you know, I coach, I coach CEOs, I coach leaders, I coach business owners, one of the most common reasons why successful people are not continuing to actually push themselves, talking about success, is because they're scared of failing. A lot of people are scared of looking like a failure. They're scared of what people will think of them. They're scared that they're not good enough. They're scared they're not capable. They're scared that what, what does this mean if I try? What if I devote my whole life to this? That's not as good as I thought it would be. This is really worth even striving for. There's so many mental blockages why people don't even start. And you know, the Ramchal is a classic reason why people don't start because the hardest thing is to recognize the problem itself. But if you can recognize the problem and you can overcome fear, you can strive. When you recognize failure as part of the process, by definition, if you can't lift something, you're going to fail when you lift it. So you have to figure out how to lift, which means that you go on the journey of failing until you succeed, as opposed to be the moment you define yourself as a failure. When you fail, you lost the battle. Right? The difference between Sadiq and Arusha is that that Sadiq gets back up. Of course, he's going to keep on falling. That's the journey of life. It's getting back up. The Russia falls and just never picks up. The momentum just cascades down the mountain. So once you understand that failure is part of the process, Thomas Edison took him 10, took him like 1,000, 10,000 times whatever it was to discover the light bulb. So people ask him, like, why don't you give up? When you fail thousands of times, he said, I didn't fail. I just discovered another way not to create the light bulb. And there's just countless examples of great people redefining failure as part of the process. That's how they never take their pedal off the metal. Because no matter how many times you fail, you're not a failure, you're a learner. Failure just needs, you learned another weakness that you can develop. And when you're not scared of your weaknesses, when you're not scared of failure, but you realize that's the only way for you to improve. A lot of people also, once they achieve any relative success, they stop pushing because they want to be seen as successful. The moment that you're okay being a learner, you're unstoppable. Most people, they want to be seen as successful. They want when people to look at them and say, oh, she's a wonderful girl. Oh, he is a tzaddik. He's a man. She's a good guy. And they will create their lives around the persona that they want other people to think of them. They won't be endlessly pursuing Greatness, it's like Moshe Rabbeinu, never stopped growing. It's the greatest, arguably the greatest human being of all time. You can have that discussion at a different time. But it's Torah's Moshe. Moshe literally attained the height of human greatness where he was able to achieve. That's why the Rambam, Shuva, says anyone can become a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. So Elchan Wasserman says, what do you mean? Everyone can be good. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't become as great as Moshe. No, you can become a tzaddik because Moshe never stopped growing. He, a tzaddik is MS. 
He actualized his true potential. Moshe Rabbeinu never stopped growing. He looked around all of Klaistral and he was greater than them. He never said, I'm greater than them. I can, put, I can stop pushing, I can stop growing. The goal wasn't to be better than other people. It was to become Moshe Rabbeinu, which means that he became everything he was capable of becoming. And the Rambam says, everyone can become a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. Everyone can fulfill their unique potential if you never stop growing. But most people, they look around and they say, I want to be the best in the room. I want to be good enough that when people look at me, they think, oh, She's incredible. Oh, he's, he's the best. But they don't actually want to be as much as they can be because that would be uncomfortable. That means they have to keep on pushing. But once you learn to enjoy the journey, once you enjoy that the process of life is failure and learning, failure and growth, failure and recalibrating, failure and fixing it, then you are unstoppable because you are not just coming to the table with who you are. You're endlessly becoming more. You're endlessly becoming more of you. And that also, I mean, that feeds right into the Heshtalas of Bitachan. This is a classic age-old question. Heshtalas of Bitachan, right? Do you go all in? Because once you extract success to becoming the greatest version of you, becoming your ultimate self, so then you say like, but doesn't, isn't there like a classic, I have a Emunu and Hashem, Bitachan and Hashem, everything's going to happen the way it's supposed to happen. But the Ramchal talks about Hishtabos in a fascinating way. The, the Ramchal, many other Baal Mashavah, they say that when Hashem created the world, think about the feeling. When Hashem created the world, He created the trees, but they didn't come out until Adam davened for them. So the potential was there, but the actualized potential required Adam to bring out that potential, bring out those trees. Everyone says, like, isn't my pronosis set from the beginning of the year? Why should I even, like, isn't that a tax just to finish house? Why should I even do it? But the potential is there at the beginning of the year. How much is brought out is dependent on how much you bring out that potential. You can't go past that potential, but I guarantee you very few people, you know, are maxing out that potential. And the same thing is for everything in terms of your Torah learning, your Torah growth, being able to be mechadish, to remember your learning, to master your learning, to become your learning. It's hishtalos. So then the question is, what's the equation? How much hishtalos, how much bidachah? 50, 50, 80, 20, 20, 80. It's 100, 100. Everything comes from Hashem. Everything. And it requires you going all in. All in. And I don't know, but can you remember a time in your life where you were all in? Because if you remember that time, it was probably the greatest time of your life. You were fully committed, zero distraction, all in, focused. Every moment of your day was focused on your goals, the meaning of your life, becoming a better person, building great relationships. How many people are all in? People dabble, learn a little more, do a little more, be a little more. That's not the type of hishtablis that will result in the type of life you know you want and hopefully the life you know you need to live. And that's the real question. So that's, that's a big one. Do you have a three-step uh, process how to get rid of um, fear of failure? <laughs> how to get rid of fear of failure? The three-step process. The Maharal loved the number three. He said everything could be paired in threes. So I would say, let's just kind of build it without the three as, as a, as a no, kind of Whatever you have. I don't yeah. Um, so how do you get rid of failure? I would say number one is to learn how to enjoy the process. A lot of, you have to also recognize what's the fear. Why are you scared of failing? So if you're scared of failing, because if you fail, it means you are a failure. You have to recognize that failure is the only way to grow, number one. Number two, that a lot of people are afraid that it's just going to take too much time, that they're just never going to get there. So you have to understand that the process itself is worthwhile. 
So once you commit yourself to the process, even if you don't get where you think you want to go, that's where the emunu comes in. Now, once you commit, the result becomes the meaningful reality. So if you think about, this is a very abstract thing to talk about this a little later. If you think about where you are in your life, it's probably nowhere near where you thought you would be 20 years ago or 10 years ago, five years ago, right? So the goals create your process. They create your journey, but the result is not up to you. <clears throat> and then you have to also get rid of the fear of what other people will think. Once you stop living for other people's opinion, for other people's approval, think about this. Almost everyone, if you get down to why you really do what you do, why you say what you say, why you think what you think, how you dress, how you live, a lot of people, they're obsessed with what other people think of them. They're scared that if they fail or if they try to do this, people will say, oh, you think you're better than us? Oh, what makes you think you're different? Oh, what, what, why are you doing that? It's, it's a dumb goal. Why do you want that? Or they're just, they want to fit in. They want to be popular. They want to be liked. They want to be part of a social circle. Once you realize that number one, the ultimate value is truth. The ultimate value is truth. Number two, once you get out of this, the game that everyone's playing, which is, I hope I'm good enough for other people. I hope people like me. Let me ask you a very simple question. And this is to everyone. This is to myself. This is to, I mean, I hate when speakers say that. This is to my speaking to myself. But it is. It's the, it's the existential question of life, which is, are you obsessed with how people view you? with how people think about you. This is a social media paradox. No one's really sharing themselves. They're sharing a version of themselves that creates a reality that they want other people to think they're living, but they're doing it in a way that they built their whole life around what other people think. But here's the thing. Do you know what anyone thinks of you? Has anyone ever told you, listen, I just want to open up and tell you exactly what I think of you. I want to tell you exactly what everyone else thinks of you. Truth is that number one, no one can really express what they think of you into words. Number two, people only really talk openly about you. Tricking into Lush and Har a different time. And Lush and Tov, but Lush and Har is, is, a, is a classic. When you're not there, people don't talk about you, tell you what they really think about you when you're in the room. So you will never know what people think about you. So once the moment that you free yourself from this cage that everyone lives in, which is this constant stress bubble of, am I good enough for other people? I want people to like me. I want to be good enough for all of them. Once you say, it doesn't matter. I'm going to commit my life to Hashem. I'm going to commit my life to the truth. I'm going to become everything I can become. I'm going to surround myself with the right people, people who share my values, people who can bring out the best in me and I can bring out the best in them, people who will not criticize my values and my goals and the things I want to do. Once you stop being so fixated on what other people think of you, the fear of failure becomes microcosmic, becomes infinitesimal, because it doesn't really exist. You know how many times I fail every single day? It's like once you're really pushing, you fail all the time. And by the way, it's a, it's a classic psychological um, uh, phenomena is that once you start succeeding, you will resist feeling. Because once you achieve success, to be a learner, to basically make yourself, it's, it's why a lot of people who you look up to as leaders are actually in their comfort zone. They aren't really pushing because once they're a leader, if they mess up, I'm not talking about scandals. That's a whole different story. I'm talking about just mess up in a public, because they're in the public image, they have to appear perfect. 
And because they have to appear perfect, they don't get out of their comfort zone, so they don't grow. And it's the same thing in your life. With the people in your life, if you are pretending like you're perfect, if you're pretending like everything's going great, to show that things aren't perfect requires vulnerability. And most people don't want to admit to themselves or other people they're still growing. But that's life itself. And it's true about me. It's true about you. It's true about everyone. So once we can stop playing these games, which is pretending like we're perfect and being so fixated on what other people think of us, you free yourself. Like the amount of anxiety people have because they're so worried about what other people will think. Can you imagine one day, living one day free of that anxiety? If you don't really struggle with it, trust me, you know someone who does. It's the most common most common struggle. We all, we're all little, you know, universes thinking that we are alone and the only one like us, but you're not alone and you're not the only one like you. You are the only unique version of you, but so much of your experience is shared by so much of Klai Israel and humanity. And once you understand that, you can get out of your bubble. And that's what real marriage is, is opening yourself up, not completely because that's impossible, because you don't even fully know yourself and you never will. That's you know literally the entire endless journey of life. But marriage is two people going on an incredible journey of trying to become their ultimate selves and also trying to open themselves up to another person to receive and give themselves over to each other and build a shared self. And that's like the, the original paradigm of marriage. Adam and Chav were one being who were, you know, Rashi explains based on the Midrash, they were pulled apart. And Chazal and Balam Achshav talk about how the goal is to rebuild that oneness. But to rebuild that oneness, you need to create the oneness within your own life and then harmonize it together with someone else. And real marriage, real marriage is difficult because people don't like to be vulnerable. They don't like to open themselves up. They don't like to be seen because they don't think that what will be seen is good enough. So the moment that you're not, number one, you're not scared of being seen because you recognize that we're all becomings. No one's perfect. And number two, you stop living your life trying to be good enough for other people but you start to say what does it mean to be good enough for myself like what what do i care about in life what am i trying to become you will literally free yourself from a cage that everyone thinks is impossible to do and once you realize that all it takes is a decision like your life will never be the same it's an amazing thing to give yourself permission to make that decision but i can talk about this forever but let's uh, move on to the next thing now let's just finish the last poll your goals are very similar every year 32% of people said yes, 70% people said no. 51% of people said the big goals are remain the same year to year, but small, the small ones change. Just interesting to put it out there. Okay, let's jump yeah. on some questions if that's okay. Okay. Let's do it. It's something that, that you brought up, you brought up and somebody asked. It's a great question. And um, I think we should first start with this. I always seem to be struggling with something. If I focus on my health, then my close to my learning. If I focus on learning, I struggle financially. If I focus on my financial growth, my relationships struggle. How do we balance all the things we need to do to grow without losing focus on the other things? Great question. That's a great question. So here's what I'd say. I'd say, first of all, the question itself says a lot because it comes with the recognition that there are different areas in life. A lot of people, they don't know if they should just work with what's going well as in work to your strengths, or if they should work on their weaknesses. And obviously the first step is understanding your strengths, understanding your weaknesses, which requires self-awareness. So where are you doing well in life? Because everyone, you're doing well in something. 
If you're alive, you might just be, you know, doing well uh, breathing, but you're, you want to start focusing and that part of what brings gratitude into your life. You say, what is going well in my life? A lot of people, they only focus on what's going wrong in their life. They're literally, they're, 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 their entire life is, I just can't get rid of this problem. It's been plaguing me for months or years and it's just horrible. This relationship is bringing me down. This, you know, I can't figure out how to just get a good job or I can't, I'm just not making any progress in my learning. I'm, I've literally been learning for my whole life and I'm not making progress. And they just focus on the problem and they don't really appreciate everything that's going well in their life. And one of the most important things to do when you start your day, and one of the things I do with all my clients is to have them go through three primers, right? Your three big goals for the year, your three daily goals for what are you going to do today to achieve those big goals, and then three elements of gratitude, three things you're grateful for. Because as much as we want more in life, as much as we have this thirst, the yearning, this hunger for growth, for success, for accomplishment, for meaning, for purpose, if you don't start your date with recognizing what Hashem's already given you, then you will succeed, you won't be fulfilled. A lot of people, they achieve success and not fulfillment, because fulfillment means recognizing how far you've come, recognizing what's going well, recognizing how much you have. A lot of people, they, they literally will focus their entire day on like, I can't, my finances are killing me, but they have an amazing marriage as someone who's going with them through the struggle. And there are people who are financially thriving who aren't married and they're empty, they're alone. They wish they'd be married. So the moment that you bring all the things that are already going well into your life, you can focus on your weaknesses. You can focus on what isn't going well. In terms of how, so that's very personal. There are people who, let's say we can, you know, break those into categories. So your spiritual growth, your connection with Hashem, intellectual growth, like really not just going through the motions, but intellectually breaking things down, analyzing, going be and understanding how to learn in depth. Then there's your emotional health, how are you doing emotionally? Then there's your physical health, then there's your financial growth, then there's your relationships, your impact. So in all of those areas, you want to make a category of things that are going well, maybe even things that are going great, and things that are not going well. And then you want to say, how do I take the things that are going pretty well and how do I take it to the next level? So if my, I'm learning, how do I improve the quality of my learning? If I have a marriage, how do I improve the quality of my marriage? If I have a solid job, how do I take it to the next level? If I you know, have somewhat, if I have okay physical health, how do I get into a better routine? And then you wanna say, what's falling apart? And what, how do I take that from falling apart to at least stabilizing it? So it's not a weakness. It doesn't have to be, I'm amazing at everything. It doesn't have to be everything's a strength, but at least to the point where it's not holding you back. And then you want to say like this, am I the type of person who will break this down and approach everything at once? Most people will burn out immediately. Most people burn out. Or do I want to say, I'll work on one of these at a time. And it could be I rotate every week, could be I rotate every month, it could be I rotate every day, but you want to understand how you work best and how you can create your schedule because once you understand how you work, how you learn, how you process, you can start to build yourself. So for example, I'm very immersive. I'm a very immersive learner, immersive thinker. I'll write like a whole safer in, and my safer actually took me three years, but the concept isn't like, I'll create a whole course in three weeks like film the course, create the course, release it. I will create like massive, massive, massive progress in one area by immersive, all focus. Literally, this is the only thing I'm focusing on. I'll go out, then I'll integrate it into everything else I'm doing. So in terms of building my business, like 
I spent an immense amount of time building my coaching business, building the structure, building the game plan so that I would be able to use it to support my mission of spreading Torah, of teaching Torah, of traveling the world, inspiring Klai Yisrael. And in order to build it and launch it, that was my main focus for a couple of weeks. So you have to understand how you work. Once you understand how you work, how you process, how you create goals, how you structure things, how you actually develop and integrate it, you can then say, these are the things I want to do. These are the things I want to accomplish. And this is how I'm going to build it. And that's why self-awareness is key. Structure is key. Goals are key. If you want to live a great life, you can't listen to those. Like here, here's the one secret that will change your life. Here's the one principle that will change your life. You have to start collecting ideas, collecting principles and building a system, which is real wisdom, real oneness, where you build nuance, you understand the hierarchy, what's more important, what's less important, how to structure it in a way that your life is becoming something great. And once you embrace the journey and realize you're never going to be done, because if you were done, you wouldn't be here. So now how do I create the most incredible journey of all time, the most incredible life of all time, and how do I enjoy that journey? Because the reason why most people quit is because they just want to be finished. They have L goals, right? We have L resolutions. We have things we want to accomplish, but we don't want to build it. We just want to have it, right? We want to be a Talmud Chacham. We want to have a great marriage. We want to have great health. We want to have all these things. We don't want to earn it. And the moment you can, number one, recognize the value of building and putting in the work of, you know, that's why the Vilna Gon says what you got in the womb was a gift. It wasn't real. You got everything, culture, cool. You got your, everything, your perfection was given to you, but that's not real. You're put into this world to earn it, to build it. And when you can enjoy the journey by recognizing every step of growth, every step of progress, recognizing that you are partnering with Hashem, you're building greatness, then you don't wait for the day you'll be done. You realize that it's not about being done. It's about journeying. It's about every step of the way is a step closer. It's like the Ramban, a famous Ramban. He says that what's the difference between Russia and that's not like a Russia says that Torah is endless. So I'm never going to learn everything. I'm never going to achieve the goal. What's the point of starting? And the tzaddik says, I'll never achieve the goal. You can't, infinite by definition is infinite. You can never create boundaries around the infinite to say, I finished. So if Torah is endless, then you'll never finish. But the Russia says it's endless, why start? The tzaddik says it's endless, where do I start? One step at a time. And it's not about finishing, it's about the endless journey closer towards the destination. You'll never reach the ultimate destination in your closeness to Hashem, you can get ever closer. You'll never reach true chachma. You can get ever closer. You'll never reach true understanding, you can get ever closer. You never have the best relationship, the best marriage possible, you can get ever closer. Once you enjoy the process, you're in a different world. Everyone else is just figuring out how to arrive in your journey. That's why everyone loves vacations. They just like to be. That's Shabbos. Like in Brachos, Stephen Zayas, Shabbos is made Olam Haba because Olam Haba is a taste of the world to come. That's what Shabbos is. It's a taste. What's, what's, what's Olam Haba? Many people think Olam Haba is for your neshama. Like you're, you're, you put in all the work and your neshama gets the world to come. But the Ramchal, the Maharal, the Ramban, they say no. You are a neshama. You're a consciousness, a higher consciousness, a self, an inner being. And when you die, you leave your body. 
You exist as the being who became the inner world you crafted, the ideas you learned, the, the element of your fetal self that you resurfaced, that you earned in this lifetime, the element of who you became. And you experience you. The pain of Ulam Hab is experiencing everything you could have become. The joy is experiencing everything you earned, everything you became. You. We can talk about what it means to enjoy the mitzvahs. There's a whole different discussion, the onig. But Shabbos is me'in ulamah because Shabbos, we stop malacha. Maral talks about what's malacha. Malacha comes to the shorish of malach, an angel, creative emanation from Hashem. Malacha is creative activity. And Shabbos, it's not just we don't work, it's we don't create. The malachas were used to create the mishkan. Because I'll say it was also conceptually the same malacha that Hashem used to create the physical world. Malacha is creative activity on Shabbos. We don't create, we exist as the beings we became. We get to experience who we are. And nowadays, like Shabbos, you don't have cell phones. There's no constant buzz and external stimulus. You experience who you are. And when you're growing and pushing and thriving and striving, it's the most incredible owning, the most incredible experience of all time. When you're not, it's not. It's very lonely, very empty, very painful. So, I'm sorry for cutting off. We just have a bunch of questions. Let's get to, can we get some questions? I was literally 10 seconds away from ending, so it's perfect. Okay. Okay, sorry, you go. I'm so blown away right now. I don't know where to begin. You know, I think you answered a lot of my questions because I was concerned a whole about the idea of limitation. You know, not to sound like the queen of negativity. I'm just saying, do you view do you view a lot of these like the feelings of being limited? Do you just think it's more of a societal construct in a way? Just you know, how people you know, I can imagine, for example, a couple struggle with fertility. And you're in a society where children are valued, so you so you can feel, you know, like you feel this failure there, or somebody who's not a learner, but you know, but has other abilities. I mean, you know, and can try to channel it into something to help the community. So do you? I mean, so I, I'm wondering this idea of accepting certain limitations, but not seeing it as a failure. It's just something that maybe. We all, you know, uh, we all have certain talents, uh, but how do I overcome? How do you overcome that feeling of like it's deficiency, something like you know, you know that? Because I think that that certain feeling of, it can lead to a certain feeling of futility. Otherwise, then no matter what I say or do, it's never gonna, you know, I'll never, you know, I'll never be able to move forward or the direction that I would like to go. I mean, do you, how, how do you deal with the, you know? How do you accept the limitation or not accept? I mean, how do you know what, what are the limitations? It's, amazing. it's an amazing question. It's an amazing question. Yeah, I mean, the I, first I'm thing, not, yeah. you want to appreciate the question. The question is a really powerful question because, yeah. like, there's also, there are levels of limitations. There are lev levels of challenges. And yeah. there are challenges which everyone goes through, and there are challenges where you really feel alone. And you really feel that, first of all, not everyone's going through this, not everyone understands this. And is this really, like, what am I supposed to do? What is the most productive, empowering, and useful? And that's part of it, but also what's the truth? Like, what, what is the purpose of the challenge of the limitation? And it's also fascinating because if you look at, you look at the way Chazal talk about this, you know, let's talk about challenges. There are talks about this, he says, why did Avram get challenges? What was the purpose of those challenges? What's the, why, does, why, why do we all go through such incredible struggle? 
all of our life. It really is a truth, which is that you're either in an existential struggle, coming right out of one or going right towards one. And obviously there are levels and you can talk about the way that Hashem doesn't give you a challenge you can't overcome, but what does it mean to overcome? Because what if it's not overcomable? What does it mean that you can overcome it? So the Ramban says that Hashem didn't give Avram challenges to see if Avraham could accomplish that because you give someone a test if you don't know if they'll succeed. Hashem knows what's going to happen. So the purpose of the challenge was for Avraham to see what he was capable of. As in the challenges in the Isayan, we can, it's actually one of the chapters in the Sefer, is that the, the challenge brings out the best in you. When you go to the gym and you rip your muscle, that's how you build muscle. The only way to grow is to rip it apart. So if you want to grow intellectually, you have to struggle. If you want to grow in meditation, contemplation, focus, being able to think in deep ways, you have to struggle. You have to literally, like, you have to build that muscle. You have to want to build emotional strength. You have to build that muscle. You want to build a great relationship. It takes time to build it. It's a struggle. So that's the first step. And there's a fascinating idea, which is Avram says, Anochi offer ve'efer, but dust and ashes. And most people think that means that he's humble. But some of the incredible Bali Masheva, they say, that if you look at those words, it means dust and ashes. To ash yourself is to break yourself down into your elemental form. And dust, dirt, is how you replant it anew. If you look at the placement of when Avram says that, it was right after the 10 decisions, right after the 10 challenges. So after Hashem showed Avram that the way you grow is by overcoming challenge, Avram would say, I'm going to dust myself. I'm going to, I'm going to ash myself. I'm going to break myself down into my elemental form and rebuild myself anew. I'm going to use this to become, but only after Hashem challenged him, as in only once he realized that the challenges that were sent to him were building him, could he introduce that to himself? Most people, they don't want to be challenged. So Hashem has to send you. Once you want to grow, you introduce the stressor yourself. And if you notice something incredible about today's day and age where people have their platform, their, you know, they, they represent a certain mission, a certain idea, almost everyone's mission comes from their challenge. It's from the thing that broke you that you find not only how to build yourself, but how to build others who are struggling from that challenge. So it's the challenge itself that, think about the word that you've used because it's such a powerful word, it's our limitations. It's our limitations that make us limitless. Because our our godliness is not that we're malachim, we're not perfect, we're imperfect. Moshe goes, think about it, the Gemara and Shabbos, um, it's where I'm almost positive some Sachem actually. The it's when Hashem gives Moshe the Luchos, gives him the Esrach, Divus gives him the Torah, and the Malachim say, Absolutely not. You can't give human beings the Torah. Why should human beings get the Torah? And Hashem basically tells Moshe, Lawyer up. Like you have to answer the Malachim because I'm not giving you the Torah unless you have a good answer. You can hold on to the Kisei but you have to give him an answer. So Moshe looks at the Malachim and says, what does it say in the Sarasadibos? It says, don't serve idolatry. Do you struggle with idolatry? It says, don't be jealous. Are you jealous? It says, honor your parents. Do you have parents? And the Malachim were wowed. And the Malachim Mavis gave Moshe a special gift, the secret of the Ketoris. And he says, oh my gosh, they all gave Moshe gifts and Moshe got the Torah. So the question everyone asks is, what's going on here? Moshe tells them that the reason why we should get the Torah is because we struggle with our Yitzhahara, we have limitations, we're small, we're limited, we, we are finite, we are basically full of limitation. That's why we should get the Torah. But the powerful idea here is that that is our greatness. 
There's a Torah of perfection. That's one type of perfection is you were perfect, you are perfect, you always will be perfect. You don't struggle, you don't have taiva, nothing was ever a problem in your life. You didn't have any growth, no possibility of growth, no opportunity of growth. You have never become anything, you never will become anything because you are. A malach is, does what he's supposed to do, lives exactly in line with the truth. There's another type of perfection, which is becoming perfect. You weren't perfect, but you overcame by using the struggles, using the limitations to become limitless. And that's why you're not really built the Tzalem you're built as a potential Tzalem Elohim. It's why the, the way the creation is constructed is that there's constant paradigms and broken paradigms, right? Akash Baruch says originally that there's just, you know, two great luminaries, and then the sun is great and the moon small. Originally, Adam and Chav are one, then they're broken apart. Originally, there's, you know, the first Luchos, and then those are broken, we get the second Luchos. There's always an original ideal. But our job in this world is to take the broken model, to take the limitation, take the physical, take the finite, take the limited, and ascend back to the limitless, to become, to grow. That is our greatness. That is our Tzalem Elohim, to actualize our potential. We're born as animalistic beings. And I just, Baruch Hashem, had my first child, and he's the cutest little angel of all time. He's smelly, he's whiny, he's needy, he's self-centered. That's where we come into the world. And it takes time to build, to become more thoughtful, to become more empathetic, to become, to develop our intellectual cerebral faculties, to develop our awareness, to connect to that which is outside of us, to connect that which is higher. That's the journey of becoming from animal to human, which is the journey of literally spheres omer, of the carbon omer, of barley, of animal fodder, to the carbon omer, which is bread, human food, the journey to humanity, German, the journey of life is from animal to human. And that's our angelic nature is we are not perfect. We are becoming perfect. We are literally angelic beings in the physical body becoming more and more in touch with ourselves. So when you take the limitation itself, the challenge itself, and you make it the very journey of meaning, of becoming, of purpose, you help others struggling and you don't accept the limitation. As in very often we say, okay, this is my limitation. I'll just use it as my purpose. No, never give up and also overcoming the limitation. But in addition to not, in addition to trying to overcome the limitation, you can also accept the possibility that maybe the very purpose of my trying to overcome the limitation is the journey of also learning how to use the limitation to empower others, to help others, to grow in my grit and my perseverance and my commitment to the truth, despite how hard it is. And then you realize that you don't come great, you don't become great despite your challenges. You become great because of them. And that's that's a powerful model of living life. The, the word that, that, that they say is the challenges are not in your way. They are, they your are way. the way. Ah. Okay, let's let's jump on this question. We have another one live after this. Um, I want to grow, but I have so many negative people in my life and in my family. I don't know what if I if I should stay away from them or just something that I need to put up with for the rest of my life and accept. Those are my two options. What should I do? First of all, there's more than two options. <laughs> um, but it's such, a, it's such a good question. It's a question which everyone who starts to want more from life realizes that when you start to wake up, when you wake up to what life is, what life could be, and it could be that you are an early bloomer, you're 17, you're 16. It could be that you're in Israel for a couple of years and you start to say, I really want to build myself. It could be that you woke up later in life. It could be your belt shoes. It could be any time in your life that you basically say, I want something from life. 
you realize that there are a lot of people in your life. And a lot of these people, they don't share your value. They're negative. They see you in a certain way. They see themselves in a certain way. And navigating social circles, because here's the thing. Michelle Salanter was, was a great line. It's like, you can spend your whole life trying to change other people, but it takes your whole life to try to change yourself. So don't try to change other people. It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your time. You'll, you won't succeed. Focus on building yourself. Now, once you want to build yourself, you'll realize that there will, people, there will be people who, if you share your dreams, your vision, your purpose, what you want to accomplish, your goals with them, they will criticize you. And take a classic example. Let's say you want to, you, know, you had a steady job. You were going, you know, think about me. And I was pre-med when I was, was pre-med when I started college. And then I shifted gears. I went uh, on the path of I want to change the world. I want to inspire Kleistel. There's no steady job for that. There's no good pay for that. And there's no certainty. So very often your friends, your family members will say, don't do that. It's ridiculous. And sometimes it's because they really are scared you're going to fail. And they, they care about you. Sometimes it's because they genuinely don't understand your goals. It's not one of the, my favorite lines is that very often people won't understand your goals, your visions, your dreams. And that's because they weren't given to them. They were given to you. And it's not their goals. It's not their purpose. It's yours. So giving them permission to crush your purpose is, is ridiculous. So very often they won't understand it. It's not only that they're scared you're going to fail. It's that they genuinely don't even understand what are you doing? Why do you want that? Then there are people who think that it's because they love you. I think it's because they care about you. I think it's just because they might not understand you. But really it's because they're jealous because they haven't gone after their own goals. They're living a life they don't want to live. And they basically deep down are thinking, why should you live the life you want to live? Why should you have a great life? So they'll sabotage you thinking they're trying to help you, but really they're, they're trying to hold you back. And then there are just people who are just having a hard time in life and actually are trying to sabotage you. That's, we'll, we'll assume that the people in your life are not like that. So then you want to say, I'm not going to give those people permission to crush myself, but... I have to figure out life because there are certain relationships that you don't have control over. You don't control your parents. You don't control your siblings. You don't control your spouse. You do, but that's not the first, it's not your first initial inclination is to control who you're married to. You want to basically make it work with certain relationships. You also don't control your children, which is a whole other discussion. But now you want to say, Let's first build my positive circle. So the first positive circle is going to be internally. I'm going to feed myself. People ask me all the time, you know, do, do you have bad days? Like, how do you stay so motivated? Why are you so energized? Why are you trying to do so much? And I always, always tell them, that, of course, I have a bad day. It's just never a bad week. You have to learn how to stop bad cycles. You also have to learn, like, I, like, my goal was to bridge the gap, between motivation, inspiration, philosophy, content, gemara, gemara in depth, ideas, halacha, where it's not inspirational or content. It's not deep or practical. It's not this or that, it's oneness. And I'm feeding myself motivation, inspiration all the time. So stay focused on how to succeed. So the first thing you wanna do is you wanna create an internal positive cycle where you're reading, thinking, listening, and watching positive content to get you into a good state. And then you want to surround yourself with people who share your values, who you can share your goals with. Like everyone can share their negative, you know, I had a horrible day. You can share that with a lot of people. But to share your like, I got a promotion, like 
Not many people want to hear the good news in your life. So finding people who are close enough and care about you enough that they want to hear not only the things that are going well for you, the things that you want to do, what you can build your vision with them, but don't start there. Start by yourself. And give yourself permission to not need anyone else's permission. Don't worry about your outer circle. First work on your inner circle of your mind. Then you can start connecting to people who are like-minded, share your values, will bring out the best, and will motivate you, will help you motivate them, because that's you know, a push and pull system. And then you want to do damage control, because you can't control the people in your life that you can't control. And you can't just say, okay, I'm done with my parents. So a kibla of aim exists no matter what. Even if your parents are mamish, rusham, gemurim, the Rambam says you have a kibla of aim, because kibla of aim is all about recognizing that you come from someone outside yourself. And if you want to recognize that you come from Hashem, you have to start by saying, I didn't create myself. My parents created me. Like, wow, thank you for creating me. Like, you might not have taught me much, but you created me and brought me into existence, and you represent the concept that I didn't create myself. So keep it up, it always exists no matter what. And then you want to say, okay, practically, I'm not, like, strong enough to just control all my relationships, so I'm going to be around people in my life, people in my family who are negative. Am I going to allow them to control me, or am I going to do damage control? And it doesn't have to be bringing out the best in them. Because that can come. It starts by just making sure they don't bring out the worst in you. And then once you head on that journey, you basically say, I'm going to become who I'm going to become. I'm going to surround myself with the right people. I'm not going to allow the people in my life who are negative to bring me down. And maybe as I go along the way, I will subtly bring them up and inspire them as I go on my journey. And ultimately, maybe I can have a positive impact on them. But that can't be how you start. That has to be the side effect until you're in a position where maybe they'll even come over to you and say like, wow, like, I don't know what you did, but can you tell me what you did? Because it's awesome. It seems like you really got something going and I'm really struggling myself. And then you can share value with them and share ideas with them. But unsolicitedly, it's not really your place and it won't be helpful, it won't be useful. It's like, you know, kids come back from Israel and they want to like convert their parents and make them from. So it's, it's a very complicated issue. But I would say the most important thing is to start internally and to build a sense internally. Okay, Rebecca, let's jump on this live question. You're up. Hi, um, I have two questions. Um, so the first question is, how, how does one create like a very simchadik, like a very happy life for themselves while being like single and then like being in Shadokhim? The second question is, um, would you have any like suggestions or recommendations for like a course to take or do <clears throat> that can like help um, improve your like communication skills or like conversation skills like when you go on a shirok day or like you know just in general like communicating with people? Um, so yeah, I was just wondering your thoughts on that. That's a great question. That's a great question. So it's one of the most fascinating, fascinating brachas in the skies because every bracha could be a klala, every klala could be a bracha, right? Everything which seems to be the biggest challenge ever could be the best thing ever. Everything which seems to be the best thing ever could be the biggest challenge. And one of the biggest challenges that people really are just overwhelmed by is when you're single, when you're in Shaduch, and when you're trying to figure it out, it's very hard, especially people who are just burned out who have been in it for a long time, they just feel like maybe no one's out there, maybe I have to lower my standards, maybe, and you just get tired. You just get tired and you, it's hard to be happy. It's hard. So first of all, what's happiness? And that's a big question. And also, how do you enter to do it properly? It's another big question. In terms of communication, it's very tied to the first two. So happiness is not, it's not a feeling, right? 
It's like you eat a, a slice of pizza, a chocolate bar, it tastes good. Happiness is a state. It's an existential state. And it's a state you achieve when you are becoming who you're supposed to become. When you're on the journey of growth and self-expansion, you can get into lots of the deeper machshav ideas of happiness. Every real element of happiness is expanding your sense of self, getting more in touch with yourself, feeling like a deeper state of self-awareness, a deeper state of walking into your true self. So when you're on the journey of becoming, you're in a state of happiness. And it's not an emotional feeling, it's an existential state. But how do you do that? You have to commit to becoming everything you can be. And most people, they want to get married, but they don't really understand that what's marriage, right? What does it mean to be married? If you realize that marriage is giving everything that you are into this incredible shared self where you have your, you have your spouse and then you have your shared self that you're building, the, the marriage is only as good as you are. So the biggest bracha you can ever give to yourself is to go into marriage fully committed on the journey of becoming your best self really understanding what you want to build and having the energy and excitement to build that together with someone. But the happiness comes from within. So don't wait for someone else to make you happy. A lot of people, I think they'll be happy when they're married. I guarantee you, 100%. Right? You can take my word for it. You will not be happy once you get married. You'll be happy for a day, maybe a week, maybe a year, but then you move on to the next thing that you want. It's not the thing that you want that will make you happy. It's the commitment to growing and becoming along the journey. And getting your happiness from someone else is the worst formula tried and tested. It will never happen because your spouse will never make you happy. When you, a lot of couples, the reason why they have a horrible marriage is because they want their spouse to make them happy. Don't expect your spouse to make you happy. Make yourself happy. Build a life that is so incredible internally and then share it with your spouse. Build something with your spouse, but don't become a taker. Because even though it doesn't sound like you're a taker, when you say that, what actually is happening is you're saying, I want to be happy. I hope someone can make me happy. And it's, of course, if we're not happy, we think maybe that's the solution. It's not the solution. The solution is to discover your happiness before you get married and for two happy people to become happier because they're building something incredible together. And the best way to get married, which is hard, it's hard because you have the Amuna approach, the Bidachan approach, the Shadchan approach, I'll just, you know, wait for it to happen. The truth is that it'll happen when it happens, but you will attract your spouse the more that you become you. Because a lot of people are just there, they're waiting to get married. But when you start to become more self-aware, you start to become you, you start to understand how you think, how you work, what you're drawn to, what your chilek and life is a chilek and Torah, what you want to do with your life, what you're passionate about, what you're driven to become great at, to become better at at least, then you start to not just be a, a pool or a shidduch resume, but you start to become you. And then people will say, oh, wow, I, I got to see you and I'm going to help you find the, someone that can match with you. So the best way is to be proactive, not reactive. It's hard because people just want to, you know, hear the nice sugar coating on top, which is that, no, it's okay. Like when you get married, it'll happen at the right time. You'll be happy. It's not true. Most marriages are not that great. And it's not pessimistic. It's realistic. I'm the most optimistic person that I know. I'm not joking. Like everything for me is defined from like, what could it be opportunity? But marriage is very hard. But that's what makes it meaningful. Relationships are the hardest part of life. When it comes to self-development, you control almost everything. You control how you spend your time, what you do, what you think about, what you focus on, how much time you allot to this, what you work on for this. When it comes to relationships, you don't control the other person. You can't. So our relationships are so hard, but they're so meaningful. 
And the best thing is to say, I'm going to continue to dive in. I'm going to continue to put in the work, but my real focus is going to be on what can I do? Because you can't control when you get married. You can't control when the perfect match is going to happen or what it means to get the perfect match. Is there a perfect match? What does Bashar mean? Are there seven possibilities, a hundred possibilities, a million possibilities? You can't control the answer to what you can't control. What you can control is what are you doing every day? What are you thinking about? What are you focusing on? What meaning are you giving to this challenge? How are you responding to Hashem telling you you're not ready yet, but you will be soon? And you have to continue to really think about what do you want from a marriage? What do you want from life? Who are you becoming? What does it mean to be happy? Am I happy? Is happy a choice? Is happiness where I really commit to life, to living at a higher standard where I really take advantage of my time? And once you go on that journey, then communication is really a question of externalizing self-awareness. So the more self-aware you become, the more you realize that everyone is stuck in their own world and you realize the limitation of words and communication in general and how to articulate ideas, truth, what you really are, what's really happening inside of you just takes time and it really requires you understanding what's happening inside of you. Then, then you start to articulate things in a way that's meaningful, that's real, that's empathetic, and understanding how to build a relationship. It's an art and a science. It's an art in the sense that no two are the same and it will be an expression of you. It's a science in the sense that there are things that work. And the truth is that I'm in the midst of creating a relation, of course. A lot of these ideas are developed in my safe in the Junior to Ultimate Self. Um, in my Self Master Academy course, my masterclass definitely talks about a lot of these ideas of really building yourself. But the truth is that once you go on this journey, you'll start learning, you start thinking, you start building, and you start realizing that the best way to become a great communicator is to clarify what's going on inside of yourself, right? A lot, I'll, I'll just I'll very briefly share this incredible tactic. The way I built my safer was that I started to realize that most of us, including myself, have no idea what I actually think because we have so much clutter in our head that we don't really know what we believe. What we actually believe is a combination of a bunch of opinions that we've heard in Shirim, we've read, et cetera. So I got everything outside of my head. I wrote everything down and I started doing this for everything. It took time, it was an investment, but I wrote down everything I understood or thought on everything, every question, every topic, every idea. I started doing it for every sugit and shas, every halacha concept. I started doing it for every mitzvah, every idea, every principle, everything I heard, it would be filed. And I started to see myself outside of myself and I started to realize that it didn't really make that much sense. There were so many contradictions. And what I thought I understood, I just understood enough to say that this is what I believe, but I didn't understand it or even know why I believed it. And the more you can see yourself outside of yourself, which is what self-awareness is, it's walking outside of yourself and viewing yourself, the more you can start to process and articulate what it is that you know, you believe, you think you know, you think you believe, you don't know, you start to articulate better questions, you start to really build more awareness. And then start being able to communicate. When you learn how to speak, when you learn how to communicate, when you learn how to connect with not only yourself, not only you know, Torah ideas, but other people, wow, like your life will change. So it's really, it's not the book that will change your life or the course that will change your life. It's the commitment to the process. And I would say once you commit to the process, uh, things will definitely start to head in the right direction. I think many, many out there um, are thinking that they might have to pause Shaduchim until they uh, pick up everything you just said, which is amazing. Should, should they continue Shaduchim while they work on it, or maybe they should stop 
and when they they uh, finish the course, a book or idea, come back to it. So that is the uh, the better question. This is the it's, it's hard. It's hard when you talk about idealism. The biggest struggle people have is when they start to say, "Oh my gosh, like where does that mean if I'm already married?" Right? That's the better question. Right? Ah, like I'm stuck with this person. Like, the truth is that everybody, because I've had lots of conversations with people who came over to me after I would talk about this and be like, I'm stuck with someone, like I'm married. Like that's like the hardest. So the truth is like this, the truth is, and this is by the way, a big problem for let's say a Balchuva who starts on that journey when they're already married and their spouse doesn't want to go on board or someone gets you know much more passionate about growth and learning, but they're already married and their spouse doesn't want to come on board relationships are difficult. They are difficult. They're the most rewarding and complicated part of life. And that's why you always want to understand the hierarchy it has to start within yourself and you can't be dependent on someone else, but you want to build the best possible, best possible relationship with who you're building with. So when you're married, you want to spend as much time as humanly possible saying, this is it, this is my marriage. And you want to build, you want to say, listen, I'm going to have an and this is something I deal with. So many of my, so many CEOs and my business owners, they they stay in their comfort zone. They don't realize that there, there's something powerful. It's one of the powerful ideas you can ever hear. The most productive conversations you will ever have are the most uncomfortable ones. Think about that. The most productive, most people, they don't want to have uncomfortable conversations. They'll say, I'm not confrontational. I don't like argument. I don't, if you are doing what you've always done. You'll always have what you've always had. And if you don't have an uncomfortable conversation, you're not going to disrupt the patterns and the cycles, and you won't have the opportunity to build something more. So it's not a question of, are you going to have an uncomfortable conversation? It's learning how to do it in a way that's not confrontational. Because uncomfortable and confrontational are not the same thing. So when you want to build a great marriage and your marriage is not great, you have to talk to your spouse and say, I want to build an amazing marriage. That's uncomfortable because like we can just pretend like it's great and we can move on and just live the rest of our lives the way it is, but it's not. That's why I want to have this conversation. And most people, they don't want to have that uncomfortable conversation. It's the same thing with their kids, with their parents. It's when you realize that once you commit to the growth, you can then figure out how it's like a great line. If you have a why, you can figure out anyhow. When the reason, when the purpose is deep enough, you can figure out how to do it. So if the only way you're going to build your marriage is to have an uncomfortable conversation, you'll have the uncomfortable conversation. But if your marriage is just good enough that you can coast, you're not going to have that conversation. So the first thing to realize is that there's endless potential within everything, within every aspect of your life, within every relationship. If you're not in a relationship, the truth is that it's not possible. It's not simple because... You could make an argument for both sides. If I take a break from Shaduchim and spend time, you can say, what if the person, the next, the next possible person that I was going to go out with was going to be my shirt? Or what, how long should I take a break for? A week, a month, a year? This is never going to, what if I'm never ready? Then I'm going to take a break and never start up again. And what if I continue when I, you know, I'm basically starting a really, a really amazing guy, really amazing girl, and I'm just not ready for this because I, have, I realize now that I want to build myself, but there's nothing that I've done yet. So the truth is that it's not up to you because you don't know the right formula. All you can do is basically assess like this. Am I ready that if I found the next person, the next person I went out that this person is going to be the person I married? And I remember everyone's in their own circle where you date for a day, a year, a month, two months. No one knows how, like, you have to personalize this to your journey. But 
if you know that this is the person that potentially you can marry, because you want to go on a date when this person, if they're the right person, you're going to marry them. Now, if you know that if you go on a date with this person, you're not going to be ready, wait till you're ready that if this person was the person that you think if this person is the right person, I'll marry them, you'd be ready to go through with that. Now, you want to get to the point where you're at least comfortable that you're on the right path. You have the self-awareness down. You know who you are to the extent that you can build a life with someone else. Because if you don't know who you are, you're not going to build a marriage. You're going to build a relationship. A marriage is two people who are like pockets of awareness that expand their own awareness, their own mission, their own purpose, their own growth as they build it together. And if you don't know that, you're not going to look, I mean, if you want to really get meta, then you'd say that, oh, there's no problem. You can date anyone because you're just not going to be ready to get married until you're ready. But Practically, it's not so pushy because anyone who's dated knows that it's very, very complicated. There's a million cheshbonos and like this, like they don't check off this, but they check off this, 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 and this. And they just had this and what about this? And like, oh my gosh, if I wanted to be this person, because now I just want this. There's a whole complicated thing where you're never really like sure if this is the right person. It's not the right person. Is it a problem with me? Is it a problem with them? Is it this? Is it that? So it is the most complicated part of life. And I wouldn't give any generic answer. I would much rather give it to a specific situation, but I would say like this. The journey of growth is endless. The journey of marriage, it doesn't, it's like you don't date to get married. You date to figure out who the person is that you're going to date for the rest of your life. Because marriage is an endless journey of shared. And basically think of it like this. You start our life as an individual. You're part of a family, you're part of a community, you're part of clientsville. And as you become more self-aware, you can figure out more of what you want to do with your life. Then you want to fair, we want, we want to find a person that you want to spend that life with, building your life with, building a family based on those values, your mission, your purpose, what you want to accomplish, what you want to build, what you want to create with your life. Then you expand outwards and take what you're building internally in your life and internally in terms of you and your, your spouse and your family. And you want to express that to clients well in terms of sharing Torah, sharing value, sharing wisdom, sharing money and purpose and impact. And if you understand that, you understand that it's an endless journey of growth that you're never finished and your spouse is never finished and you're never finished as a couple, as a family. So you want to then build the greatest relationship as you go through your marriage and then you want to build the greatest family. What does your family, what, what type of family do you want to build? If you haven't asked yourself those questions, if you don't have clarity there, then you're not really building a marriage, you're getting married and you're not building a family, you're having kids. So the moment that you're clear on what the tachlis is, what the goal is, what your mission is, what you're trying to create, there's machshava involved, then sofma said machshava tchil, then you can create something in reality that's meaningful. But there's a great, just, you know, give you this one mashal and we can move on, which is that if you take the greatest archer of all time, greatest archer, greatest archer of all time can hit any target. If you blindfold them, and you turn them around 25,000 times and you say hit the target, they're not going to hit the target. Because unless you know what you're trying to create, you can't create it. So it's the same thing with creating yourself. It's the same thing with what do you want in terms of dating? Like what are the questions that you want to answer before you get married? And it's the same thing in terms of marriage. What kind of marriage do you want to build? Same thing in terms of family. What type of family do you want to build? What's your purpose individually, collectively? So it really is the same underlying principle, which is the more clear you get, the more self-aware you get, the more you can build an incredible life, an incredible marriage, an incredible journey in connecting to Hashem, connecting to other members of Klai Israel, and living out your purpose. So once amazing. you commit to that, it becomes an amazing journey. Wow, a lot of information. Okay, here's another question. 
Everyone else seems to know what the purpose in life is, but I have no idea what to do. I'm 25, working at a job I don't like, and I have no idea what I want to do with my life. Is there anything I can do about it? And is there a difference between finding the right job and finding a purpose? So let's talk about purpose a little bit. Yeah, these are great questions. So I, I would actually break those down because those are two very good distinctions. So this gets actually pretty deep. So in terms of purpose, it's actually pretty simple, which is that there's no destiny. There's no like final, like you have your purpose. A lot of people, they think that they discovered their purpose. Purpose is an ongoing search, an ongoing journey. Like your purpose right now is not your purpose in 20 years. It wasn't your purpose 20 years ago. But in order to discover like the starting point of what do you want to do with your life? What does Hashem want you to do with your life? You want to say, what does it mean to be me? So first you want to, I like to basically draw a circle called the circle exercise. And the first circle, you want to write everything that you are. Are you creative? Are you intellectual? Are you emotionally intelligent? Are you, you have street smarts? Are you in physical good shape? Are you, you know, spiritually, spiritually aware, meditative, experiential? Are you, you know, good in business? Are you good at talking and dealing with people? Are you uh, really, do people love opening up to you and connecting with you? Are you, you know, would you be a good psychologist or therapist? Are you very mathematically inclined? Or like, where are your talents? What are you inclined towards? And then you want to also say, what haven't I discovered yet? Do I, do I want to try new things out to figure out who am I? Because a lot of people, they just go with the flow. They say, oh, I'm, I'm this, I'm not that. Do you know? It's like, you look at the, the guitar and piano behind me in 12th grade, I taught myself to play guitar and piano. And I went through this process where I was awful for a long time, but then I started to pick it up and I started to get a little better. And I started to be able to hear something and put it into the piano. And I started to be able to write music. And it's something which if I wouldn't have spent months trying to figure it out, I wouldn't have discovered this potential dormant talent that wasn't natural. You know, my dad used to come in when I was playing and I would say like, how's it sound? And he used to be like, What's it was awful. <laughs> it sounded awful, but I went through that process to, because I really wanted to figure it out if I was able to potentially be able to play. So most people, they're not really trying to discover their, you know, who they could become. They just think that self-awareness is discovering who they already are. It's both. You want to try new things out. Then you want to make a list. And this is perhaps even more important of everything you're not. And this is in terms of midos. This is in terms of co-host. You want to say like, am I not an intellectual? Am I not very emotionally aware? Am I not in good shape? Am I, do, I, have I, do I have good relationships? Maybe I don't have good relationships. Maybe these relationships aren't so good. Am I really just, I don't have an entrepreneurial bone in my body. And then you want to basically say, now I know who I am and I know that I'm, what I'm not. And once I know that what I'm not, I also have more clarity on what I am. Once I know who I am, I have more clarity on what I'm not. And then you want to say like this. First of all, how can I further develop what's in my circle? What I already am, how can I make that better? What I'm not, what do I want to slowly move into what at least I'm okay at? Or maybe potentially what I am is and what, what, what skills do I want to develop? And by this is a great distinction. Talent is what you have naturally. Skill is what you develop. Now, Music, as you know, can argue was a skill that I turned into a talent, right? Because once I spent enough time, there's a great line from the Ramchal, you put in the work, Hashem gives it to you as a gift. I put in months and months of work, and then I realized why well, I really did have deep down a koach for this. But you want to basically say, how do I move what's from potential, what I'm not currently good at, into what I'm good at? Now, in terms of purpose, the real sense of purpose is you want to become the greatest version of you, and then you want to take everything that's in you and say, how can I contribute this to Hashem, 
to clients throughout, to the world, to basically giving what I'm building within myself, how can I impact those around me? Could be financially supporting, could be teaching Torah, it could be being a good person and just helping around the community, doing chesed, it could be building great relationships, helping others build relationships, it could be using your challenge to help others who are struggling with that same challenge. But how do I use what's in me to help impact that which is outside of me? That's your purpose. It's an evolving process. It's not like you discover it and you just do that for the rest of your life. It's something you want to constantly re-evaluate, reassess. That's what's good to do in LL. Say like, what have I done this year? What do I want to do this year? But also in terms of a job, so I'll tell you the truth. There are different models. This is, a, this is literally today's question. It's the millennial question, right? How do you, people want to live a meaningful life. They want to have a meaningful job. They hate their job and they just want to have a good job, a job that pays them well, a job that they enjoy. A job. So let's start very basic. The ideal, ideal, ideal job is something that you love to do. You're really good at it. You can get paid to do it. And that's usually because you can provide tremendous value to other people, right? You can help other people. Now, there are lots of people who are good at things, but they don't enjoy them. And there are lots of people who love to do certain things, but they are not good at it, like singing, right? A lot of people, they love to sing. They're not very good at it. They can't make a living doing it. But then there are people who are really good at it. They love it, but they can't make a living doing it, right? It's, it's really hard to monetize, for example, creatives. You look at creative people, people in music and content, people who like think about how much teachers get paid. How much do people in Chinuch get paid? It's the biggest problem of our time, but we undervalue. So it's, it's a combination of things. First of all, to monetize creativity and to monetize content is nearly impossible as an entrepreneur. Then there's the fact that we don't really value the category of education, knowledge, wisdom, and Torah monetarily, so we don't pay for it. Right? We pay doctors for physical elements of our life, but spiritual, intellectual, we don't really pay for. So a lot of people struggle because the things that they want to do with their lives, they can't. It's just like they can't make a living. And either they can't make a living or their parents would never let them try to make a living out of it because it's like, what makes you think you're going to succeed? All these other people we know, they tried and they failed. Like how many, in the music industry, you know how many people make it? Like one in a billion. One in a billion. The people you know of, like we're not going to mention names because like we're not, but like you know the people who made it in the music industry. And, like they're like the one in a million. And everyone else, who the guys who you know who are like, you know, trying to make it, like, you know, trying to get like any progress, they're not making any money. And in terms of like, we can even like get a little meta here in terms of podcasts, in terms of, you know, people building influencer or like trying to thought leadership in terms, like for me, I'll just take you back a step. Like, there's different models. Most people, they either live a practical life to a nine to five job, make a living, and then try to do what they're passionate about on the side as a hobby. But for most of those people, they're so exhausted by the time that they get home that they don't have the energy to really devote time to their passion. And then there are people who try to make a living with their passion, live, make a living with their purpose. And it's very hard. So most people, they quit. And if they don't quit, they basically sell out to the point that they will give up the standards and values that they went into this for in order to finally make a living doing it. But they look back and they're like, that's not me. I don't even know why I'm doing this. And that's also a very fascinating thing, which is the moment that you're not, like the moment that you allow money to come into 
to basically control your mission, you give up your mission for money. So a lot of people, they start out lishma, they start out pure, they want to teach Torah, change the world, but they're just not making a living doing it. So the moment that someone else pays your bills, they also control what you can say, what you can't say, what you do, what you can't do, how it shows up, how it appears. And, and you basically end up realizing that you become their puppet. So the real truth, and this is the truth that will, it's simple, it's hard to really digest. If you really go all in and become the best and we will, well, there's two categories, the best at what you do, but the best you can be at what you do. And by the way, if you go all in and commit your life to anything, you can become top 0.001% at anything. Most people don't go all in. Most people don't take themselves seriously. They're too scared to really commit and go all in. They dabble, they become okay at something and decide, okay, I can make a living doing this, but they do not become what they can be. When you become everything you can become, you can make a living doing anything. Plumbing, own a, own a plumbing company, you make millions. Oh, it's a plumber. No, you own a plumbing company, become the best plumber, understand how it works, understand the industry, understand how to literally take it to the next level, become the best plumber you can become, make millions. Most people are not motivated to figure it out. But once you decide that this is worth putting in the energy, this is what I want to do with my life, you can become extraordinary. When you become extraordinary, here's the secret to money. Secret to money is you get paid your value. The more value you bring to people's lives, think about what you pay for. You pay for something that gives you value. There's a reason why you pay for things because you said that this is worth my money. If you become the person who's capable of giving them the value that they would pay for, people will pay you. It's like, once you understand, it's like, by the way, this is, this is how you uplift Adam's curse. Adam's curse is that you have to work for a living. It's a curse. Wouldn't it be great to just kind of like sit around and be able to just schmooze and learn Torah all day, not worrying about bills, not worrying. But here's the thing. Because you have to make a living, you have to figure out what you're going to do with your life. So the klala becomes the bracha because now that you can't just sit around and do nothing, you have to figure out what are you going to do? Once you have to figure out what you're going to do, you're going to say, what am I good at? What do I love to do? What, what am I passionate about? What can I devote my life to becoming good enough that I can make a living doing it? You ask yourself those questions. And now you turn the, the curse, which is you have to make a living, into the bracha, which brings out your potential and the ideal. The ideal job is where you're living your full potential, living your full mission and getting paid for it. Not everyone does that. Not everyone's capable of doing that. But... I'll tell you like a very personal, like that's, like that's what I set out to do personally. Like that's what I wanted to create. And when I was young, I wanted to change the world, inspire clients show. And I spoke to every mechanic and rav and CEO and entrepreneur and you know, world-class speakers, all the speakers, a lot of the speakers who've been on this, on, on this show and this platform and this podcast and this year, it's hard to really categorize what this is. It's so many different things, but a lot of them said the same thing. They said, if you want to do it right, become financially independent. Because if you become financially independent, you can really teach what you want to teach, impact how you want to impact, do it the way you want to do it. And like my goal ultimately is and was to create a community business in the future, which not being hired by a community to teach, but building a community with like-minded people who want to grow. And that was the ultimate design. Like I didn't have an entrepreneurial bone in my body, not a single one. 
Like I built a very Baruch Hashem. I built a very successful, you can call it a thought leadership model business, where you know you impact tens and hundreds of thousands of people for free on you know a daily, weekly basis. And then out of those people, you know, I wrote Baruch Hashem right here. Best-selling safer. We sold out within the first three weeks, and uh, Baruch Hashem, it's continued to sell very well. And so many people are doing it. The journey to ultimate self. So now there are thousands of people who are learning this safer. Now, cost thirty bucks, and I don't make any money off of selling a book. But now people are really learning not just a dvart here, dvart here, but they're entering into a system of deep tour and really like I'm building a community of people who are learning. And then. You have a next level buy-in where I get you know asked to speak in communities and to travel as a scholar in residence and to give a keynote here and speak there and do podcasts and things like that. And then I have a master class, myself mastery academy, which people it's a 10-week course. People go in to really build themselves, gain self-awareness, really build themselves into you know gaining self-awareness, understanding their purpose, how to build goals that last, how to create an ideal environment, how to become extraordinary. And then I have where really the money comes in, which is a high-ticket coaching where I'm coaching CEOs and business owners and entrepreneurs. But the whole goal of that was to build a system where I can do everything that I want to do without having to worry about paying the bills. So I can speak without having to worry, are they going to pay me? I could give away books for free. I can do that because everything's about impact. Everything's about purpose. And I'm not worrying about how am I going to get a little money here? How am I going to get a little money there? And then I don't basically sell out and give up what I want to do in order to get money, but I'm helping people. I'm transforming people's lives. And it's with the single focus of trying to teach Torah, bring a Kaddish Baruch into this world, bring an awareness of truth into this world and become the best version of myself and help other people do it. So it turned like, I literally was the type of person who can sit in a room and just think about Torah and ideas all day, every day. I became an entrepreneur, I became a business owner in order to fulfill my purpose and mission of teaching clients real Torah. And that klala of having to figure out how to pay the bills turned into the biggest bracha because it's been able to help me exponentially increase my impact and do what I want to do. And like, it, it's really a powerful way of turning the klala itself into the bracha. So I would say that that's the most powerful way to approach the question of purpose and panasa, which is that it really it fundamentally transforms each other. As in purpose impacts panasa, panasa impacts purpose. All right, I'll jump on this question quickly. Everything you're saying is spot on and amazing. I love it. But my life is just so chaotic and so many different crazinesses, pressures, taking care of my family. I want to get there, but I feel numb and exhausted. Any good advice how to start feeling, period? <laughs> if only I knew. I'm just kidding. Um, so the truth is that once you commit and you say, like, I can't take this anymore, you need to create a space. You need to create a gap. You need to create time because basically the way that our lives are structured is that when we have no responsibility, everything's great. The moment you get married, you have kids, you have a job, you have bills to pay, you have health issues, your parents have this, your friends have this. Like you have so much clutter and noise and chaos going on that you can't breathe. And most people, that's their norm. They're overwhelmed. So the moment that you say, I'm not gonna let this define my reality, my experience, but I'm gonna learn how to take a step outside of it right? And create a pocket of time, an hour a day, start with an hour a week, where you basically just say nothing, phones off, no one can disturb you. I'm just taking time to get outside of it. Then you start to say, whoa, 
like I haven't been alone for a long time. I haven't thought for a long time. I haven't been able to breathe for a long time. What can I do? Like, first of all, is there any unnecessary overwhelm? Is there any chaos that I can basically choose to take? Is there any responsibility I can delegate? And a lot of business owners, they just are doing way too much. They don't know how to delegate. If you can delegate and get rid of responsibilities that you don't need to be doing, you can free up time in your day. And that's one of the Bali Musser was once asked, and it's said in many different, uh, in the names of many different uh, Gedolim, but the first Lanter is a classic one, but they were asked, what should I learn? Should I learn Halacha, Gemara, or Musser? And Hirshel Salanter said, why, you know, what do you mean? You should learn them. He said, no, I don't have time. I can only learn one. So Hirshel Salanter said, I should learn Musser. So he's like, you know, as a look back, he says, what do you mean I should learn Musser? Why, why, why Musser? He says, if you learn Musser, you learn that you definitely have enough time for all three. And most of us, we're, we're literally like consumed by our current routine, our current cycle. We think we have no time and there's no possibility of us changing, of getting to where we want to be. But the moment it's like, for example, I'll give you a classic example. Someone says that I want to pivot in my career, but I can't, I don't have any time. It's not true. It's not true because you don't have any time with your current schedule. But if you break down your schedule, what are you doing all day? What are you eating? When are, how long are you sleeping? What's your daily routine like? Are you wasting time during your day? Are you watching TV? Are you playing games? Are you having unnecessary conversations? Once you basically break down your day and you see what you're doing every day, you realize that you don't have time because you've given your time out to things that don't deserve your time. But if you start to say that, I really want this. And in order to say that, in order to have the time to have this conversation with yourself, you have to create a pocket of space where you can think. So the first thing is getting outside of the chaos. Once you're outside the chaos, you observe, you break it down, you analyze, and you assess what happened to my life. Like, what is my daily schedule? What's my daily routine? What, where are my responsibilities? Where do they lie? And you basically say, what can go? And if it's a question of how do I get a better job, you say for the next six months, I'm going to commit to building up my CV and my resume, to reaching out, networking, building my skill set, and becoming better. And, oh, I don't have time. No, I do have the time. I just don't want enough. So I'll sleep for an hour less. I won't waste this hour. And I can spend, you know, you know, say you have a nine-to-five job. All right, so nine-to-five, that's eight hours. And really, you have a, an hour lunch break, which you can take advantage of. And then there's, let's say, a commute. Then you have to take care of your kids, and then you have to whatever. So let's say you have a couple hours a day that you're currently wasting. And it's not wasting because you're doing things, but it's not really the best use of your time. So you can now reassess and reevaluate and redistribute the time that you're using. And once you redistribute your time, you start to say, I can actually invest this time into myself. And once you invest the time into yourself, you can basically say, now I can assess anything in my life that was falling apart, not the way that I want it to be. And I can dish out time and time is just translated as potential value potential learning, potential growth. And that could be where I exercise, where I build my marriage, where I build my self-awareness, where I connect that show, where I learn, where I focus on dominating. And then you start to realize that it wasn't that you didn't have time, it was that you didn't know how to use your time. And once you learn how to use your time, your life will never be the same because the two steps are valuing your time. Most people do not value their time. Most people, the reason they don't value their time is because they don't really have the realization. It's like, a lot of, if you talk about El, a lot of the, the Kavanas of El, you walk by a cemetery, you think about the, the finitude of life. We've never experienced death. So most people don't value life. That's why also the Klala of death is the biggest bracha, because it's only because we're going to die that we value life. If we're going to live forever, what's the importance of today? I'll do it tomorrow. But now that I realize that 
time is limited. And this is literally the only 24 hours, the only 86,400 seconds I'll ever get. I'm going to start using it. I'm not going to just let everyone who wants to use my time use my time. I'm not going to be reactive to the experiences of life. I'm going to start creating my life. And the moment you value your time and then start distributing your time in the most effective way possible, that's where the chaos and the storm become something beautiful. You just reorganize it and you turn the pieces that are literally bringing you down into something amazing. Okay, we have a few questions, but we're gonna to go to closing now. Okay, first of all, coming on tonight and giving so much chizik and really uh, trying to uh, help us get back on track. Really appreciate it. Um, there's a lot more to talk about, a lot more. I think we just we just we just touched it again. We're like you said, we're only finite, right? Can't cover everything. Um, so thank you for coming on again tonight. Share responsible to somebody who's uh, having a procedure this week. Machem, does have a, a big, uh, a tremendous, successful outcome? And I think the gematria is good. Adam Ha'ogun, somebody who's uh, you know, somebody that's 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 going in the proper way. One fourteen. And again, if anybody wants to join, uh, get this to get the flyers every Sunday, please WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066. Get the flyer every Sunday who's coming on. And also go to menachembernfield.com, sign up for the emails, you can see uh, the replays. If anybody's here for the first time, every Sunday night at 9.30 this time, you have a different share and different topics. Please spread the word, let people know about it. Next Sunday, we're going to have world-famous psychiatrist, Dr. Jacob Friedman, live from Eretz Yisrael. He writes the weekly articles in Mishpacha magazine off the couch. It's titled Ask the Doc, How to Support Families in Mental Health Crisis. It's going to be a very deep, meaningful conversation about mental health in general and helping people that are struggling. Please be part of it. He was on like, I think almost a year and a half ago and he was amazing. Brilliant person. Uh, everything is recorded. That show will be on menachembernfield.com. If anybody has any questions, please email coachmenachemagima.com. Tonight's share is 114. It's recorded also on, we have a phone number. You can listen to it later tomorrow at 848-777-GROW, 848-777-GROW. It's our phone number. You can listen to it. If anybody would like to be in contact with Shmuel Michael for any, for any reasons, for self-growth, for courses, for speaking engagements, or just to scream at him, I'll give you his email address. <laughs> it's shmuelreichman at gmail.com, his name. Um, you can go to his website, which is shmuelreichman.com, correct? Shmuel D. Reichman at gmail.com. Shmuel gmail.com gets a bunch of emails there for me. <laughs> he sends them to me sometimes. Why not? Um, so the best, the best thing is shmuelreichman.com. It has the email address, so you won't admit uh, the typo. And that uh, has everything. And then uh, in terms of continuing learning, sheer and lectures, everything's on the website. And if you have any questions, you want to reach out to me, I'm more than happy. I love hearing from you. And it's shmuelderichman at gmail.com in case anyone just wants to send the email. Okay. And I want to thank also all our advertising sponsors, Lakewood School, Rabbi Yanif Chazak. Special thank you to Robbie. Special thank you for making the connection. Ellie and Ariel from Five Pound Central and Kyla Kaufman from JCN. We're going to go to closing. We're going to wrap it up. Menachem will go first. Father of Shmuel Reichman. I just want to say that I feel like tonight we we, we got the concepts of self-growth. And maybe in your closing, Rabbi Reichman, I'm putting it on the spot. Give us like one or two takeaway material that we could take it and internalize it and make it reality. That's something that we can take home. Coach Menachem first. Beautiful, sure. Um, first of all, Rabbi Rachman, it's really, really amazing the information and um, really blown away a lot of information. And um, I think many people are asking, so where do I start? And um, I just want to, you know, before you give your two uh, takeaways, 
I'm going to give one of them. And the first thing where you start is to realize how, how much you've grown till today. Because we're all, you know, on this journey. We're all here for a while. We are, we're all learning, trying. Yes, many Elul's, many Rosh Hashanah's, but we're not the same. We're, we're for sure not the, not the same. And somehow we got here. If we can't look back and find some positives, then no matter what you do now, you're always going to find yourself in a place where you're not going to be able to look back and find positives. And that means you're running on empty. And running on empty doesn't last too long. Then some people shut down. And then you have the questions, of, you know, I'm looking for my mission, my purpose. But no, you're probably not looking for anything anymore because it's too painful because you don't want to see where you are. It's too hard. But if you, if you can look back and find even small positives, write them down and make yourself feel good. Pat yourself on the back. And uh, if you can do that, then any growth, any um, anything you work on now with the, the commitment, whichever way you go on, you'll be always be able to look back and see, be able to see your growth. And the only way we can grow is by seeing the growth. You have to know how to look at it. Sometimes it's hard for people to see it. All they see is the downs and they don't see as in a graph to see that at the end of the day, they're growing. So if you can't see yourself, Ask a friend, ask somebody to help you out. But that's, I would say, number one, to be able to see that you're growing. And with that, you can take the next step with all the concepts that we learned, the self-awareness, and to commit. And in minutes Hashem, with that, we come to Hashem and we say, listen, I'm trying. This is where I am, and I'm happy where I am. Yes, I do want to grow. I do want to grow, and I'm growing, but I'm happy with where I am. And that's hard for many people. So thank you again. Thank you very much, Rabbi Rachman. And the Mitzvah Shem, everybody should be able to take what they heard, wherever it is, wherever they are in their life, to be able to apply it. And the Mitzvah Shem help them grow and continue on the journey. So I'll start off. First of all, that was, that was beautiful. I'll start off by accepting Usher's challenge. But I do want to share one more deep idea. Just one deep idea, which, by the way, is the most practical, the most important. But I'll start off with the actual, very practical, which is as soon as we're done, as soon as we're done, as soon as you log off, literally a second, do not talk to anyone, do not pick up your phone, do not do anything else, do the following three things. One, write down your goals. Write down just a couple big goals, and you can even just keep it simple for Ella. It doesn't have to be for your life, because you know, obviously you have to know yourself, but write a couple big goals. And then create a schedule. Create a schedule. Structure your day. Because a lot of people, they're visionaries. They have goals, dreams, the giant things they want to do. They don't do it. Because they don't have a structure, a schedule, something to... Like most people think a schedule cages you. It, it sets you free. Because if you don't have structure, you don't get anything done. If you don't get anything, you don't accomplish anything. If you don't accomplish anything, you're not living life. So create a schedule. Say, how am I going to actually achieve these goals? What am I going to do every day? What's my week going to be like? Start to structure yourself. And number three, write down three things you're grateful for. And every single day when you wake up, look at this list. Call it three primers. Prime yourself. Say, Modani, thank Hashem for existence. And then say, these are my big goals, my future. This is what I'm doing today. This is my schedule. And this is, I'm looking at the past and, you know, bringing that into the present, saying all the things Hashem gave me. So past, present, future, 
Your life will never be the same. You'll start your day. Most people just start their day, drink a coffee, go. Don't start your day just going. Create this incredible framework to start your day. And when you start your day with vision, with clarity, with gratitude, with a karsatov, your life is incredible because you bring all of that energy into the morning. And then when you daven, you're present, you're clear. I want to share a powerful, just, you know, I got a little bit of freedom to, to share an idea here. And it's going to be one of the most important ideas that I have ever really connected to. And one of the most powerful ideas I hope that really resonates. And it's when you hear a, a sheer, a lecture, a podcast, whatever you want to call what we just had, so much wisdom, so much inspiration, such depth, such possibility. So many of us, myself included, when I was younger, would say, that's amazing. It's not for me. I can't do that. I can't have that type of marriage. I can't have that type of life. I can't become more self-aware. I can't get outside the struggle I'm currently in. I can't live that way. It's just not possible. It's not for me. I remember when I was going through the initial stages where I was, you know, I was 18, I was trying to build myself, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I heard someone give an incredible lecture and he basically said, is it guaranteed that you'll succeed if you try to do this? Talk about success. Is it guaranteed? No. Is it possible? Is it possible? It's possible. The moment that it becomes possible, it becomes necessary for you to try. Just really think about that because I remember, <laughs> I remember back when I was like, I had this vision of what I wanted to do with my life. And I wanted to really build a life of oneness. I remember I was trying to, I would look at the greatest models in every aspect of Klein's role. I looked at the greatest the greatest Rashi Yeshiva, people who are Gedolim, Tamil Chacham, Gemara, Gemara, Be'in, Halacha. And I was like, I want that. I want to become the greatest Gadol, Tamil Chacham, I could. I you know, studied by the greatest Bali Ian of Gemara, and I got Smicha, and I studied in Yeshiva, and I really, and then I said, but I don't want just to do Gemara, and Halacha, and Gemara, Be'in. I, I want to do Machshava, Be'in, like, look at like the Maharal, and Ramchal, of Moshe Shapiro, Kina Tans. I want to learn how to bridge the gap between you're just, you either just teach Allah, or you just teach Gemara, you just teach Gemara, but you just teach Machshava. I wanted to build the gap where not only was I able to learn all of them on their own terms, but really see how they interconnect and build that oneness. And then I wanted to become the best public speaker I could possibly become. So I studied the greatest speakers in the Jewish world. I studied Tony Robbins. I became certified as a coach from the Tony Robbins Institute. And like tried to figure out how do I make it that it's not you're either talking about intellectual depth or you're inspiring, but you can build a gap between two because most people who are who love Torah and love wisdom, it's inaccessible. And most people who are inspiring, who are powerhouse speakers, they're not They're usually not very intellectual. They're inspiring. But when you can make wisdom, ideas, intellectual growth, inspiring, imagine what that could be. And then I wanted to say, like, I speak to all these incredible people and talk about, you know, you have to become financially independent. And I wanted to figure out how do I become financially independent? And then in terms of impact, I looked at Jonathan Sachs and uh, Jonathan Sachs itself is literally incredible. And we can, you know, I don't agree with everything, but his impact, his impact was remarkable. By the way, like, you know, I studied at Harvard. I'm getting a PhD at University of Chicago. Part of the reason was because I was young enough to say, like, part of the reason Jonathan Sachs was so impactful was because... 
when I was younger, I'd try to give shame and people say, like, who are you? Like, what degrees do you have? And the fact that he was, you know, so positioned and had, you know, Cambridge and Oxford and like, I modeled that, like, I'm not an academic, as you probably know by now, like, I'm not an academic at all. And I've definitely gained some from Harvard, from University of Chicago. But being able to say, how do I build the best of everything, combine everyone who succeeded in public impact and Jewish leadership and combine them into one package where I'm really able to achieve the most, like I had these incredible goals and no one understood them. No one believed in me. No one thought I can do it. And a lot of people told me to get realistic, to wake up. And I was basically questioning myself. How am I going to make a living? How am I going to do this? Why don't I just give up and just get a normal job? And just you know, stop trying to become great and make a living doing that, but just wake up to reality and do what everyone else is doing. And I remember I went to this, I had heard this guy say, is it possible? And I was like, it's possible, but I can't do it. I can. And then I heard this, this incredible sheer. And at the end of the sheer, the person giving the sheer said, right now, Everyone heard these amazing ideas. There's one, I know there's gonna be at least one person at this year who's not just gonna be inspired, but they're gonna act on these ideas. They're gonna live these ideas. They're gonna go out and really become everything they can become, and they're gonna help others do it as well. And he ended off this year by saying, are you the one? Who, who's the one? And I went back to my car and I said, I'm the one. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And then this voice in the back of my head said, no, you're not. <laughs> what makes you think you can do it? And my life became this battle, this journey of believing that I could do it, believing that I can do it and realizing something very important, which is that it's not who's the one. It's not like you read a novel, you read a, you know, watch a film, There's one chosen one and they go on the quest and he or she is like literally the one and everyone else is a normal person. No. Every single one of us is the one. We're all part of the one, but we're all individuals who are unique and destined to go on this incredible journey of growth, self-awareness, contribution, living a meaningful life, a meaningful life devoted to Hashem, devoted to the truth, devoted to actualizing everything within us. And it's not who's the one. You're the one. I'm the one. We're all the one. And I remember, like I'll just end off with this story, where... Usually when you know you give a keynote speech, the way that it works is there's two microphones. There's one microphone on the podium and the person introducing, the CEO, the person who's leading, the, the MC, they, they'll basically introduce you, they'll have a microphone and they'll walk off the stage with their microphone, there'll be one microphone left. And I'll never forget it. There's this one time where there's only one microphone and this one microphone was there and the person, the CEO introducing, introduced me and then I got on stage and he didn't give me the microphone. Never seen this in my time. Didn't get in the microphone. Instead, I got on stage. He walked away from me, turned to the audience, and said something I'll never forget. Before I get there, I just want to share one thing, which is that Avraham, Avraham, you see, you see the subcategory, the subtitle of my sefer is Lech Lecha, right? The journey to your ultimate self, Lech Lecha. Avraham was told Lech Lecha. Now everyone asks the same question, which is Avraham was told to go, wasn't told where to go. Lech Lecha means go, but where to go? So there are many different answers, but the deeper answer is that Avram wasn't just told go, lech lecha means go, lech lecha to yourself. The journey to yourself, as the Ramban explains, and the challenges he was you know, basically given by Hashem helped him become who he's supposed to become. He went on the journey to his ultimate self. When you go on that journey, you don't know the destination. 
You know, when you go to a wedding, no one says, leave at two o'clock from your house. They tell you where you're going. But when it comes to life, you don't know where you're really going. It's like life, life is basically a journey at sea. There's no, you can't follow anyone else's path. You have to really, really just have a moon and create your path. You have to become more self-aware. You have to go in that journey. And it really requires going into the unknown. You have to believe it's possible, but you also have to believe in yourself. Right? Every morning we say, Rab the Chemlo Rab the Hashem believes in us. You have to believe in yourself. Or Tzadik explains that Amun is not just believing in us, you have to believe in yourself, which means you have to be willing to go into the unknown. You have to get out of your comfort zone. If you want this Elul to be different, you have to be willing to do something different. You have to find the motivation, the drive to say, I want to do something with my life. I want my life to mean something. I want to take myself seriously. Now, why can't I end? As Usher, Usher's getting his uh, unmute on. It's your story. You got on stage. It's your story. Hey, I'm going to lose my job. You can't start a story and not finish it. You never get asked to speak again. Why? Why can't I just end? Who cares? Why don't I have to end the story? You don't worry about what everybody thinks about you. <laughs> That's good. No, the reason is because you don't start a story and not finish it. It's the whole purpose of a story. It's like you don't start a joke and have a setup without a punchline. The entire purpose of the story is that it goes somewhere. Without going somewhere, it's just a bunch of details. And that's where we are right now. When you and I right now, we're in the middle of a story. It's the story of your life. And Hashem wants you to become the main character of your story, to go on that like in a great quest. A person's living a normal life and they wake up, their life falls apart, whatever happens, and they go on this incredible journey to really become who they're supposed to become. That's this point in your story. Become the hero of your story. Write the rest of your story. When you realize that Hashem put you in the setup, gave you this starting point, created your circumstance, and wants you to write Bechira, choose your story, write your story. Because when you go on that journey, your life will never be the same. Most people are not going on that journey, not full throttle, they're not all in, they're kind of dabbling, but they don't really, they're not really seeing what they're capable of. And now we have to end the story, right? What happened? So this person didn't give me the microphone. He turned to the audience and he said, don't wait for a microphone to start sharing your story with the world. Because right now you look at me, look at Asher, look at Koshmanach, I'm like, oh, we're on the platform. We're the big guys. We're, you know, running the show. You're an audience member. What, what, what role do you have? Are you really important? Do you have something significant to share? Are you going to be a leader in your own life? Most people, they wait. They wait for the microphone. They wait for permission. Don't wait for permission. Don't wait for the microphone. You have so many people in your life that you can impact. And the question in order to really think about the life you want to live and the impact you want to have is you have to start writing your story. So yeah, pick up the mic and start sharing your story. But before you pick up the mic, pick up the pen. And you know, Usher wants us to get practical. Write down those three things. Write down your big goals, your daily routine, your schedule, and become grateful. Think about the things in your life that Hashem's already given you. And let's make this L. Let's make it the best one yet. So obviously, I hope you can get a copy of the Safer. I hope you can continue this journey with me, learning the deepest ideas of Torah, the deepest ideas of life. But no matter what, the most important thing you do right now is to strive, to make this Elul extraordinary, to write down your goals, to get more clarity, to spend time with yourself, get to know yourself, to think about how you can really start 
investing in the most incredible asset you have, which is yourself, and devote your life to Hashem. Devote your life to becoming a true Eved Hashem. Devote your life to becoming everything you think that can become. And next, Elul, let's hope that the goals are different. The goals are the next level, the next rung on that ladder. We should be inspired to keep on growing, striving, thinking, and becoming the best we can be as we journey to our ultimate selves. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Robert Eckman. Thank you, everybody, for joining tonight. We'll see you next week with Dr. Jacob Friedman, psychiatrist from Rick's Israel, live. Good night, everybody. Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly, monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance.